It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Yada folks, welcome into the show. This is the Saturday session on SENZ. My name is Daniel McCarty. No Grant Elliott. He remains in Pakistan covering the Black Caps tour over there. Now into the one-day segment of that. Fear not, people. We will catch up with Mr. Elliott at some stage. Find out, um, you know, what has he got up to in the last seven days. Last week, um, he described 140k bus trips. That nearly cost him his life. Uh, hopefully, it's been a little bit more sedate. Uh, very, very um, positive result in the T20 series to all that finished. New Zealand trailing the one-day series by one game to nil. Grant Elliott to join us a little bit later in the show. Ben Sigmund drops by former Phoenix great. Yes, the Wellington Phoenix have uh, one shot in making the playoffs after having five shots prior to that to secure their fate. Yeah, they have uh, hit the um, poor form button at the worst possible time heading into uh, the final few rounds. Five games without a win and now need a solitary point against the bottom place MacArthur uh, FC side. Uh, ben Sigmund, uh, the former hard-nosed defender, to join us uh, to discuss what has gone wrong in the last few weeks. Can't wait to catch up with him after midday. Also joining us, uh, the very, very fine rugby mind, that is uh, Jamie Wall. You've probably read uh, plenty of his columns across the rugby media world and also heard his voice uh, often on SCNZ. It'll be cool to catch up with him again as we reflect on culture round in Super Rugby. Good to see the Wellington-based side out-cultured the side from Canberra. Not too, not too difficult after all, let's be frank. Jamie Wall to join us at about uh, 10.30. Of course, always your chances to win throughout this hour. The Mowers Club, our roll's on. My, lo- my lawn has been mowed magnificently during the week, it has to be said. I've secured my brownie points to use this weekend. Although, woke up this morning, went out the back, had a look, went to look at my lawn, went to look at my lawn and survey my fine work and the neighbour's dog done his worst work yet right in the middle of the lawn i screamed it was about 10 minutes to seven in the morning sorry to all my neighbors hope your uh week has been a little bit more successful the uh Mowers club hour with two lawn force uh head to their website they've got great tips on how you make your lawn as good as mine minus the doggy deposit mind you uh, and remember, every call and every text this hour goes in to the draw to win a prize, thanks to our great team at uh, Tui uh, Lawn Force. Uh, the Saturday Session Mowers Club brought to you by Tui Lawn Force. Uh, visit new Lawn Force website hub for expert lawn advice, and they've got some awesome advice there. So everyone who calls, everyone who texts this hour goes in the draw to win one of our two prize packs. So that is what is coming up on the show right now, though, at three minutes after 10 o'clock. Let's reset. Let's recap. Um, let's find out the latest in sports headlines at the top of the hour. Hey, the Hurricanes have closed within one point of second-placed Brumbies. In Super Rugby, after beating the Canberra base side, outculturing them as I told you, 32 points to 27 uh, in Wellington last evening. Um, the Hurricanes have now scored seven wins in nine games this season, but still only have one win against the New Zealand side. Go figure. What I'm suggesting there is they've got a very tough run home. Uh, meantime, the Highlanders, ouch, 
Highlanders Nation, how are you feeling? This side has slumped to a sixth loss of the campaign, going down 21 points to 20 to the Waratahs. The Highlanders conceding a 78th minute try to seal their fate in that one. And tonight, the unbeaten Chiefs, you may have heard, host the Crusaders in a much-anticipated clash in Hamilton. To the NRL we turn, and the competition-leading Broncos have lost another NRL game. Here's me saying they'll never lose another NRL game ever. Has been proven wrong. It was almost like I was taking the piss. It was almost. I did not expect this the lopsided nature of the scoreline. They were thumped by the Rabbitohs, 32 points to 6. Yeah, the competition uh, leading Broncos put to the sword by the Rabbitohs. The Rabbitohs were up by just 6 points at the half but kicked into high gear in the second with 4 second half tries to seal a rather impressive win and also to climb to third on the ladder. Of course, the Warriors are hosting the uh, Roosters uh, tomorrow afternoon. Our pre-game show on SNZ starts at 2 o'clock. Uh, kickoff uh, with Sam and Kempe from 4, if I'm not mistaken. And a retractable roof, three new grandstands and a pedestrian promenade are features of a multi-dollar proposal to upgrade Eden Park, unveiled by stadium bosses. There are the latest in sports headlines to five minutes after 10 o'clock. At this uh, time, we encourage you to join the show. It is our time for Open Line Talk. If there's something you want to get off your chest, out, feel free. I'm based in Wellington, and now I need to I, I need to, to talk directly to my Auckland brethren based on that last sporting headline story. I'm scratching my head. Why well, I, I feel like Groundhog Day. I feel like Bill Murray. I feel like I've been down this path. I'm a Wellingtonian who's spent an inordinate amount of his uh, broadcasting career talking about stadia in Auckland. Where the heck are we? Are, are, are we still on go? Have we collected 200 bucks yet? Jacob, uh, filling in today, um, Ben Francis is unwell. We hope he's okay. Get well soon, Ben. Jacob, you are in Auckland. You're an Aucklander. Yep. Um, my cynical response can sort of eye roll. Here we go again. Mm. But Eden Park unveiling a plan to put a retractable roof, uh, improved stadia, promenade, X, Y, Z, makes you feel dot, 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 dot. It what ma- are those dots? Yeah, it makes me feel disappointed, uh, frustrated. Because I'm an Aucklander in favour of a waterfront stadium. I think it right. fits the city much better. Um, although I do appreciate the Kingsland, Kingsland bars around around uh, Mount Eden uh, or Eden Park. But, I, yeah, I just think the, the whole city is built around Queen Street, sort of that area down there. They've invested in it. They've got um, Commercial Bay, that new um, shopping centre that they've just built. I mean, it just fits... It's the it's the hub of the city. I mean, you know, Sky Stadium. It's it's a little bit way, little bit of uh, the way out of the way of of the city, but it's still like a feature. They've got the walkway towards Sky yeah. Stadium. It, it's it still fits. a ten minute walk. Yeah, but it, it's still a ten minute walk. I know, but it kind of fits this fits the city a little bit better. I think, like, I, uh, yeah, I, I don't know, I don't know. <laughs> you know, like it's and, and stupid. You know why invest? People... Yeah, why invest yeah. in it further when it's already not not ideal? Okay, okay. Well, Jacob, proud uh, Aucklander there, um, and I'm sure there's many people like me in Wellington, around New Zealand, might be rolling their eyes at this because I think there was um, a bit of groundswell a number of years ago for maybe taxpayer dollars to be uh, directed towards it. I worry if that goodwill has dried up, and, and maybe Auckland, you have to do it yourselves. Um, if you want to comment, if you're outside of Auckland, feel free, 0800 um, 150 811, or you could text us on double 
eight double three on the temper bedpost text machine. I'm quite sincere about that. I'm really interested to get, especially the thoughts of people who live in Auckland. This is the brainchild of the Eden Park Trust. It's launched a long-term plan for a major redevelopment, including a retractable roof. That sounds nice. At least they'll be able to grow some good lawns with a retractable roof. They'll be able to, you know, retract it. The sun will come in. The lawn will be magnificent. Tui Lawn Force product will be put on, and it will be a great lawn. It will look good. The lawn will be good. Not almost as good as my lawn, but it will look good. But then, what, a, a new north stand, renovated east and west stands, at likely cost of what? Question mark, question mark, question mark, it would seem. Um, this was described as Eden Park 2.0. Are we still using that term, Eden Park 2.0? Wasn't that like 10, 15 years ago? I think we need to come up with a new moniker anyway. Uh, but they, they say it's a vision for a world-class multi-purpose hybrid venue. Well, yeah. We're going to play rugby and cricket there. Yeah, it's ridiculous. You know what, I, do you know what I want? Do you know what I, I'd love? I'd love a stadium that actually caters to that sport. I would too. Yeah, uh, according to Newsroom, this is this is brilliant. This is brilliant. How good is this, Jacob? Uh, this is according to Newsroom. An email sent to Auckland residents in error disclosed the plan. <laughs> so it was a leak. <laughs> so I've already got a leaky stadium. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the roof's leaking. Um. With a new north stand, upgrades to the east and west stands, enhanced entry promenades, a new pedestrian bridge over Sandringham Road, an all-weather retractable roof, which guarantees play and broadcast in any weather conditions, multiple fields of play options to accommodate rectangle and oval play formats. Interesting. Now, that is interesting. That is interesting. So what, you can change the stadium around, devil in the detail? Maybe you could have a compact, uh, intimate uh, arena. more details we do need. It will cater for different crowd capacities, new function, entertainment spaces, enhanced connectivity. That's a 2023 word if I've ever heard one. Um, and world-leading innovation. We can ensure Eden Park remains at the forefront of sporting and entertainment venues, uh, this leaked email said. However, I have to say, and call me the doom merchant, call me Captain Negativity if you want. I'm a big boy, I can deal with it. Kind of some key details missing, right? The announcement did not include a time frame or a cost estimate, or how the development will be funded. And it has yet to be presented formally to council or government whose support would be vital. And as Newsroom did add, the Auckland Council is currently uh, grappling with a $295 million hole that must be plugged by cuts in asset sales for the 2023-2024 financial year, so it would be unlikely to entertain direct funding or loans to the Trust. Oh, great. So you will come cap in hand to New Zealand, I guess. Now, questions, I'd imagine, come into the forefront of your thinking. Uh, Eden Park unveiling its vision to get ahead of a renewed proposal for a new national uh, stadium on Portland, if Port uh, Land is cleared. Well, I would think yes. One would have to think so. When Eden Park Trust Chair Doug uh, McKay estimates it would be about 40% of costs of starting from scratch at a greenfield location and avoids engineering and environmental issues to affect other areas, uh, including the Auckland waterfront. I'm sure, especially in Auckland, this will spark plenty of discussion, shall we say. Plenty of discussion. Is it the right location? Is this the right sort of facility? What are the benefits? Who's going to pay for it? When's it going to be done? Is that a reasonable time frame? If you've got some, if you've got comments, here is your chance. 0800 I will be an empathetic ear for once.
increased capacity up to 60,000. I think from 50, it's about 50 now. So there, that's top of mind. That is a news, news, news story. So feel free to join in 0800-150-811-8833. Or you may just want to discuss the sporting weekend ahead. It's a pretty good one. Uh, huge games in Super Rugby. So we thought... Uh, culture round, outcultured Wellington did uh, over Canberra last night. Yes, the Brumbies losing to the Hurricanes in front of just 8,700 fans. These are top four sides. Right, a night, nice night, Wellington. I don't know what the con- the lack of connection on that game was. I would hope you're going to get more than 8,700 when the Chiefs take on the Crusaders. I would think, solely looking in the vacuum of Super Rugby, if you can't get excited about this game, what is the point? What is the point? This Seriously, this game. This is the game, isn't it? I know they've already had a game, round one, but this is the game. The Chiefs thumping the Crusaders in Christchurch in round number one, 31 points to 10. That's a hiding. That's a dropping. They're now eight from eight. They get past the Crusaders. Seriously, they're eyeing up a, a perfect season. There's so much at stake for this game. So I and Wellington... Jacob, would you allow me to, to sort of poke the bear to the south and the, the one to the north? Yeah, of course. I, I want to hear. I want to hear the, from the respective fan bases, Crusaders and the Chiefs. Surely everyone's wild at hearing Louis Herman Watt calling the Crusaders uh, New Zealand's second favourite team. Tongue firmly poking out of cheek throughout uh, the mail run uh, before ten a.m. Oh eight hundred one five zero eight eleven double eight double three. Who's winning and why? Simple. The Chiefs. Fans, eight from eight. You're going to win, right? Your favourites. I think you're going to lose, though. Why? I just don't trust the Crusaders. And, 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 and that's a compliment. That, that is as much of a compliment as I will give to the Crusaders. I don't trust them. They're so good. Historically. Less so this year, yeah. I think that times they've been rather unconvincing. So I'm going to go inside Crusaders and Chiefs country. Where are you watching? Where are you listening? How are you going to take it in? Are you, are you getting together with a group of mates? Are you getting together with some Crusaded mates or conversely some Chiefs mates? Are you going to stir each other up? Let us know. And how's the game going to go? Oh, 800 150 811. You could text us on double eight double three. Richie writes on the Temper Bedpost text machine. Oh, it's quite a message from Upper Heart. Feel free to call Richie if I uh, misinterpret your uh, long text. Daniel, despite being a Hurricanes fan, they are not going to win Super Rugby. They don't have the same killer instinct they had in 2015, even they lost to the hand of Dixon, in 2016. A team with a killer instinct doesn't give up bonus points at the end of a game, which has happened twice this season. Last night, let the opposition get a bonus point at the end of the game. Those bonus points will cost a team a home quarter final, which will be their last game of the season. Fingers crossed they prove me wrong. I would agree with most of that. Maybe the last point I disagree. I, I, I could see them winning... I could see them winning a quarterfinal away from home. I, I, I'm i not sure I can see them winning three knockout games. I never thought the Canes are genuine title contenders in 2023. I thought they were on the right path, Richie. Um, I, I like what they're building. Of course, they're going to have to rebuild somewhat with their head coach moving on, of course. Uh, I, I just thought it was maybe one year too soon. Uh, tell me if I'm wrong and you... Or you agree with Richie, 0800 811 or Texas double eight double three. Andre writes, good length of these messages. Eden Park management can't even get April Fool's right. I have no words to describe this, especially after Eden Park was bailed out of the debt to the tune of $63 million. By the way, my lawn is quite possibly the worst you could imagine. 
Cheers, Andre. Andre, that's a big claim. Not about Eden Park, but about your lawn. I, I must admit, I, I, I thought this isn't April. It's definitely not April Fools. I know we're still in April. When you're a young father, days blend into each other. Uh, I'm sure, Andre, you don't have the worst. If you do have the worst lawn, can you take a photo of it? Can you take a photo of it, Andre, and uh, you know send it through to us, you know, to our social medias, or, or send it, yeah, send it through. I don't know if we've got an email address. I, I'd love to see a photo of this, um, and then I could uh, steer you to the to the wonderful team at uh, Tui Lawn Force, who have great tips at their website, tuigarden.co.nz. They've got great tips for uh, improving your lawn, Andre. I don't know if you've got those brown patches. You know, there's brown patches that appear after you mow them. They've got great tips to how to fix those. Uh, maybe you've got some moss on your lawn. They've got some good tips there. Remember, all calls, all texts is our part of the uh, Mowers Club, our into the draw to win some uh, outstanding prizes, thanks to uh, the team at uh, Tui Garden Products. Um, Saturday Session Mowers Club, brought to you by Tui Lawn Force, brought to you by that wonderful team. Visit our new Lawn Force website hub for expert lawn advice. No Grant Elliott, he's in Pakistan. We'll hear from him later in the show. No Ben Francis, he's unwell. We wish him well. Uh, Jacob's with me uh, on the buttons, doing a great job. This is the Saturday session. Uh, you are with the uh, Moats Club out throughout this hour. Chance for you to win some wonderful uh, gear. Thanks to the crew at Tui Lawn Force. The Saturday session Moats Club brought to you by Tui Lawn Force. Uh, visit our new Lawn Force website hub for expert lawn advice. If you're out doing chores today, you've got something lined up, let us know. That's how you can also get in the mix. Uh, we, we call it securing brownie points for your sporting enjoyment. Uh, if you're out doing uh, wonderful things on your own lawn or elsewhere, let us know. Double eight, double three. It's as simple as that. G'day, Bruce. Welcome to the show. Yeah, I'll, I'll ring up and have a chat, mate. No one else is bothering too. I thought that was a bit rude. So. <laughs> <laughs> no one likes me, Bruce. You know that. Well, you're going to the bother of putting on a performance, so, you, you know, you've got to interact. That's what life's <laughs> about. Going to put... I like that. Time, like that. Yeah. Hey, mate, it feels like 2013. Stadiums in Auckland we're talking about again. Wow, what a throwback. Oh, Let's not talk about that. Should we talk about some action? On, yeah, I know. Should we talk about some action on the field? Hey, I lived in Auckland between 86 and 94, and they were talking about stadiums back then. The same waterfront one. So... The country in Auckland are in terrible financial state, so I don't think that's going to happen for a long time anyway. Move on from that. Yeah, yeah, hey, your Canes had, a, Canes had a fighting win. Uh, well, as to be expected, they've, they've got a very good record against Australian teams. Um, the, the big asterisk I have against them is just one win against a New Zealand side, right? That, that's probably fair enough. Like, the cream is not in Australia. The cream of the crop is in New Zealand, right? You've got to prove yourself against New Zealand teams. Or am I being too much of a doom merchant? Yeah, the latter, I think. On a similar note, who, uh, who's going to step in as the, the new Hurricanes coach next season? I have no grasp of that situation, Bruce. No. I'm not as plugged in as I once was, you know, not doing the beat, not being at training uh, day in, day out. I'm unsure, but they're not the only franchise who are sort of scrambling. Although Absolutely. they can't be scrambling, I think that I think no. those I think the, those assistant coaches announced during the week were pretty well signposted, right? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I knew about um, yeah all those years ago when Razor was uh, hinted at 
moving up to the next level. So, yeah. Um, gee, Chiefs Crusaders, go on, mate. You're going 0-2 against the Chiefs oh, tonight, aren't you? You're going oh. down. You're going down in a blaze of glory. Absolutely. The Chiefs will beat us. Yep, reverse Ooh. psychology. Then reverse oh, psychology. Right. <laughs> I'm going to go and so put a $25 you, bet you on the Chiefs to win by 13 and over, and, uh, and the red and blacks will scrape through. The but emotional hedge. You know, you, you know when we do TAB updates and we say gamble responsibly, uh, kids at home, that yep. is not gambling responsibly. The emotional hedge is the opposite to that. Um, I'm prone to the emotional hedge, Bruce. But like, like hand on heart, like how much chance do you give them? Good? Low? Tell me. Well, the Chiefs got over us earlier on the season down here. And I, when they play away from home... I don't know what it is. It's almost less pressure on them, on a team, I believe. Yeah. Um, they've got... They, they group together a bit, and it's like, come on, guys, let's bloody show them. We've got nothing to lose. So, maybe. Maybe they can. They've got a couple of key players back, that's for sure. You don't sound all that convincing, Bruce. You don't sound all that convincing, my friend. Uh, maybe maybe thing, next week when one... we're back on, you can crow after a Crusaders victory. I don't know why I'm doing this, but I have tipped the Crusaders <laughs> when I was doing drive yesterday with Bossy. Um, you know, immediately had buyer's regret, but I'll stick with it. Good to chat, Bruce. Thanks for, thanks for inspiring others to call, because they have. You're a good man, Bruce, so I won't forget that. G'day, Ed. Welcome to the show. Big Chiefs fan, aren't you, Ed? Oh, hey, man. Um, Daniel, um, I was just, you know, old Richie's Hurricanes? Oh, yes. As long as the Hurricanes, bro, bring that Ranfurly Shield and bring it up to uh, Rural Toria so Nazi Polo East Coast can have a run there. Oh, really? That's all you care about? You, you, well, th- th- just bring it well, up. Well, the you Shield want the Wellington... So you want the Wellington Lions. This is you starting the campaign. You want the Wellington Lions, not the Hurricanes, remember, the, the, the Wellington oh, Lions. Yeah, you want them to yeah, take the Shield sorry, on sorry, the sorry. road. Mate, I was hanging yeah, out. Yeah. I was hanging out with the Ram Philly Shield just two weeks ago at my local club, mate. You jealous? Because um, just there, my my kids I, were knocking it off I a table. Get, I was like, please don't do that. Daniel, I think we get a challenge, eh? Because we won the Lacour Cup. You know what, Ed? I hope you do. That would be an incredible day out, mate. How, how oh, yeah, would yeah, that yeah. day go down if it was up there? Oh, that'd be mean, man. Because you know, Jose Gear, all his boys are coming back home. All oh, right. I don't know if this is I don't know if this is a thing, Ed, but I want it to be. I so hope it is. Now, uh, Chiefs Crusaders, tell me who wins. Oh man, it's going to be Chiefs. There's going to be some good matchups, man, because you know that's the matchup of the year. Those um, uh, what is it? Chiefs. They're going for two in a row. Up the grubs. <laughs> Up the grubs. Good stuff. <laughs> 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 but, you know, give me a score, uh, mate. Give me a, give, give me a score, buddy. Oh, okay. Let's see. Um, uh, 24-15. 24-15. Pretty comfortable. Good on you, Ed. You're an absolute ray of sunshine every time we chat here on SEN. Thanks so much, my friend. We go to Dean. Dean in Highlanders country. Oh, dear. Luckily, there's no relegation. Yeah, bit of an idea, but never mind. It's a lot closer than I thought they were going to get, so we won't even go there. Like... I've spoken long enough on the radio about the end of the day. If you own the, owning the players and let them, them go wherever they want to, I don't really understand that because we'd love that boy Rona that's playing tonight for the Chiefs. And last year he was playing concrete and talking about friendly goat in Auckland. But 
Yes. That's Inverse right, the goat. Mate, the goat from Auckland from last week. That's right. Yeah. Steve, Steve was his name. I found it on the phone. It was Steve. I checked his in. His name is Steve. Everyone in Steve the goat. So if you see a guy driving around a car with a goat in the back seat, this goat's name is Steve, and he takes it everywhere. It's it's not strange at all, is it, Dean? It's not weird at all. We're not asking questions at all. This is is on a house right beside old Tim.com's area, you know, so it's not a bad area up there. So the goat gets around, but back to the rugby. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. There's one stat I was talking to my nephew down here in Invercargill. I'm going to watch him play in the senior bees for Mighty old pirates versus stars this afternoon. That'll be a battle. But um, I said to him, there's something a lot of people lose sight of. Is I said, I can't even remember the last time the Crusaders lost to the same team in the same season twice. And then I got the Southland Times this morning. It's got about three pages in it. And uh, it's never happened. Like, under, since 2017 or something. So that's never as far as I'm concerned. So... It's a, when you're in a team like that, remember the Blues of Auckland were really good in the old 80s. They tried to play a game without a penalty or without a full pass, without anything. That's how good they were. And they almost done it. They didn't quite achieve it. They got about a minute and a half short and someone dropped it forward. But when the Crusaders go into a game like this, they, they hate losing. And that's a real milestone that Ray's will say, well, no one's done this to us before. Do you want to be in the first team since 2017 that a team's beaten us twice? Hell no. That's incredible, eh? I'm, that is incredible. I'm, That's such an impressive run. Such an, you know, not to lose twice to a team. And there's been some pretty yeah, good teams. Not, you know, uh, Super yeah. Rugby's always top-heavy. There's always three or four really good sides, and then the depth sort of wanes away. But still, to beat a, a side home and away, um, you know, that, that is a record well worth crowing about. Can I get a score from you, Dean? Get a prediction. Oh, yeah, you can. Yeah, yeah, I'll go... Like, I love the Southland influence there and um, Dame McKenzie, but I just stick with that. No one's beat him twice in a year, you know. Like, so I'll go 28 21 Crusaders. There we have it. Good to chat, Dean. Go ahead, enjoy your Saturday. 0800 150 That is our number. You can message us on the Temper Bedpost text machine. Remember, all calls, all texts this hour, part of the uh, Saturday session Mowers Club. Tui Lawn Force, uh, everyone into the draw to win some wonderful products. And if you're out working the land today, doing some chores, getting some brownie points, let us know what you got planned. You might be out there now. You might be listening uh, online. Headphones in, lawnmower going off, doing your lawns and your jandals. So I revealed last week. Yeah, a bit stupid of me. Yeah, a, bit stu- a bit stupid of me. Uh, if you're out there doing good things, earning those brownie points to cash and watching sport this weekend, tell us what you're doing. Everyone in the draw. It's that simple. Double eight, double three. Uh, is our Temper Bear Post text machine, or we'll call 0800 We're going to make a call after the break. We'll break down last night's win for the Canes and look ahead to the big game, the huge game tonight. And we're going to catch up with uh, fine rugby scribe, Mr. Jamie Wall joins the program after this. 25 minutes away from 11 o'clock, let's talk some super rugby with a fine rugby mind, super scribe, author, man of the people, top bloke, rollicking tash at times. Uh, he doesn't need any two law enforcement products. He gets someone to mow his lawns. He is uh, Jamie Wall. He's back on the show. It's been too long, Jamie. Hope you're well. Yeah, yes, Nicky. Um, yeah, if I had a lawn, um, I'd, I'd, I'd definitely get someone to mow it, but uh, we're not, not that far up food changes yet. <laughs> Let's talk the big issues from last night's game in Wellington, the uh, Hurricanes up against mm. the Brumbies, and the outrage there was no Hurricanes, Hurricanes chant played for the first time since 1996. 
I'm reliably informed. I didn't go to the game. Is this is this true? Is there any truth to this rumour? Uh, well, I was watching it on TV, and uh, there was there were a couple of tweets that got fired out about this. Um, this I have to say, this isn't the first time this has happened. I remember I was at Sky Stadium a few years back, uh, and it was the first game of the season, and I, and I had noticed that they hadn't played the song, and so I turned around and asked the media manager, hey, what's going on? And one phone call later, um, the song was going. So maybe they've got a new <laughs> DJ in there, and he hasn't he hasn't been given the, the, the audio files that he needed before. But if this is some sort of deliberate move, I can assure you that there will be an investigation into this, and there will be some <laughs> serious media pressure on the Hurricanes going forward. I'd like to go back to 1996 and actually ask them how they came up with hurricanes, considering it's a hurricane. Um, we're not American, are we? I don't know. I'm going to go down a rabbit hole that I should probably avoid, Jamie. We can talk about this over a beer next time we catch up. <laughs> the game, played in front of a disappointing crowd, has to be said, only 8,500. This is a top-four matchup. These are two of the top-four informed sides, but again, this New Zealand-Australian uh, connection doesn't always invigorate people. But what about the quality of the game? Did it live up to a billing of a top four clash? Oh, absolutely it did. And and, and the two teams played like they were in the top four. Uh, there was some there was some very good rugby played last night. It wasn't perfect, uh, but you know, that's, there's a spread of All Blacks across that Hurricanes team, and, and even more Wallabies in that Brumbies one. Uh, and, and they put on a show. And the only complaint I've got is that it didn't really quite have the finish that it deserved. You know, the Brumbies kind of left their run a little bit too late, but uh, I mean, just from a gameplay point of view, I think that one thing that kind of flew under the radar a little bit was the impact that Owen Franks and Tavita Mafaleo had coming off the bench because the Hurricane Scrum has been a real weapon um, this it year. Has. And for those guys to come on and, and absolutely dominate the way they did, it was about, about on the hour mark, they won a couple of really crucial penalties uh, that put the game away. So those guys definitely deserve to be after the game. Um, but yeah, to your point about how the game didn't really capture the public's imagination, I think that a bit of that actually has to go on fans themselves, just not being able to make up their own mind uh, about, uh, mm. or just simply not being interested enough in this competition. Like that's a good Brumbies team. There's not, you know, there were some really good players in there that are worth paying money to watch, and and they they almost knocked off uh, a hurricane side. Uh, so I mean, I, I you know, there's. there's there's only so much marketing a Super Rugby team can do because they just they just don't have any money um, for a start. And and then and, and but I think that yeah I think the rugby community just needs to actually just kind of just open their eyes a bit, stop buying into the fact that the only games worth watching involve the Crusaders or the Chiefs or whatever, and <laughs> just actually just kind of maybe just wake up to the fact that at least the Brumbies are, are worth watching because if you look at their record this year, I mean they would only lost one game going into last going into last night and the games that they had played were actually really interesting so I, I just think there's this narrative running through the media at the moment that if it doesn't involve one of the top New Zealand sides then it's not worth watching and that's not fair I don't I don't buy into that at all Super Rugby is really up against it as, as a competition a, a lot of it is its own fault but a lot more of it um, is kind of out of the control and and a lot of the, the bad press that we get about it is just because of the interference that uh, the All Blacks have on the competition but even then, even then, I don't think if you were going to objectively look at the quality of rugby play this year, yes, we've had a few dud weeks, like last weekend wasn't that great, but there have been some very, very good games um, gone on and some decent crowds. We saw, you know, there's 24,000 at Eden Park uh, for the for the Crusaders and Blues uh, back in round four. Um, there should be a decent crowd tonight in Hamilton. 
Um, and now the the trick is to kind of get the get that momentum going over into the other teams. It, it, I, I just don't know what's happening in Wellington. Like for crowds, just for sport in general, have been poor there for years now. Um, I'm I'm not sure whether it's a stadium thing. You know, obviously I haven't lived in Wellington for a while now, but you know, does something need to happen to the stadium? They're talking about a redevelopment. Maybe they should be talking about about one in Wellington as well. Mm, interesting thoughts. Fun game. There was some great long-range tries in that first half. The key sort of period of the game that I, that I thought was after halftime, that the Canes took sort of control there, and then, as you describe, a, a late, too late, a run from the Brumbies. So, so what changes do you think they made at the half to sort of assert some dominance in the second period? I think it was just realising that the riff. Uh, wasn't really calling anything. And they'd probably prime themselves to the fact that the Brumbies were going to play a very structured game. Obviously, they were really well known for their set-piece dominance, especially the line-out in the, in the 22. And they would have gone into this game um, probably thinking, like, we need to keep our discipline really, really tight to avoid them just setting up in the 22 and going for line-out drives because they could happily just do that all day if they, if they wanted to. And... Um, and then it turned out the ref just, just wasn't going to be calling anything. So I think that was the key that the, the coaches probably came down and said, boys, just let's switch to plan B and just open it up um, and really start attacking them um, across across the field. And because they did that, because they kind of had that ace up their sleeve, which I mentioned earlier with um, Owen Franks and Tavita Mafaleo being able to come on, uh, they were able to implement what they probably wanted to do uh, probably about 10 minutes earlier than they, 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 they had planned. And that's why it ended up being not a comfortable victory, but more like a, a kind of, they, they could probably just fold, uh, fold their arms after about 70 minutes and say like, okay, we've, we've got this one in the bag. And, 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 and just unfortunately for the Brumbies, they just couldn't get the ball into the 22 like they, would normally, they normally would. But in saying that, they, they showed that they had a plan B as well, which is to give the ball to their 10-foot tall lock who can run faster than the Usain Bolt. And he was <laughs> outstanding. Um, and they scored two. They scored, they scored two of the best. They scored two of the best tries you'll see this year in the first half, both to the same guy, yeah. Frost. And um, and it shows also as well that they're not a one-trick pony of a team. You know, they don't have to rely on their lineout drive. Um, and then in the second half, they they got their they got their lineout drive try. I was really impressed with um, a lot of players on the Brumbies team actually, like a few guys that could. Uh, give Eddie Jones plenty to think about. I think Tom Wright was was fantastic. In fact, the whole back three was. Corey Tall looks really, really um, promising. Adam Muirhead's been really, uh, uh, really good all year. Uh, and then in the, in the forwards, you know, obviously just talked about Nick Frost and uh, Rory Scott at um, at, at flank. Uh, they're, they're just they're they're a good team. And if you actually look at their draw, this is the interesting thing: is that they've got the, they've still got to play the Chiefs. Um, I believe that's in Canberra. Uh, and the got, Crusaders in Canberra, don't they? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They could, they could, but of course, you've got to remember that the Chiefs and the Crusaders the probably do have to do something about their their um, their All Black situation as well. So that could oh. be a game where they end up rolling the dice on that. So they, I think it's five more games. They could definitely win four, and that could leave them in, in second second or third place because the other New Zealand teams might end up cannibalising themselves on, on, the, on the way to the finals. Yeah, interesting observation. Jamie Wall is with us. Uh, you don't need to do your best marketing job. This game should sell itself tonight. The Chiefs be the Crusaders. Um, who wins and why? 
Great question. I'm, I've been thinking about this uh, well, all week, really, because I, I don't know if I've really it's got, your a, job? got a definitive answer. <laughs> I think, well, yeah, well, there's that. Um, but I think my, gut, my gut's telling me the Chiefs, by a very slim, slim margin, um, and the reason why is uh, I think they've just, they've just fashioned enough of a culture around playing at home that it'll it'll get them it'll get them there. Uh, obviously, you don't want to count out the Crusaders. You know they're not um, the 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 Crusaders. You know they've, they're, 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 they they have they have the ability to go and ruin a party like uh, they did at Eden Park last year. But uh, just the only thing that's sort of got me a little bit worried about this game is that both teams are going to keep a lot of their cards close to their chest. Because why would you? Um, why would you expose yourself and your moves and, and, and what you're trying to do in a game that could potentially be the, the preview of the final? So that, that's why I think it might be quite low scoring and a little bit cagey and pretty kick heavy. Because not that that's a bad thing though, because I think last night's game was pretty kick heavy as well. Um, but I think that the way rugby is now, that's not necessarily a bad thing. I, I do think the 52 rule has instituted probably what you call. Um, a degree of, of kicking that's can be a, a lot more appreciated by a New Zealand um, New right. Zealand audience. So I think that um, in saying that, I think the battle between Moanga and DMAC is going to be worth the watch by itself. Um, that's that's an that's an All Black trial as, as, as far as I'm concerned, um, and that by the end of Super Rugby, one of those guys and all Bowden Barrett is going to have won themselves the the ten jersey in the first test that the All Blacks play this year in Argentina. So I think that that, that, is, that is the main thing that we're going to be able to see. And the best thing about a battle between two first fives is that, that, that all their skills are on show all the time. Um, they're both goal kickers as well. And this game may well come down to clutch goal kicking. So that that's a fascinating one. Um, and then uh, you've got Sean Stevenson, um, who's, in my opinion, has already, has already booked himself a place um, in the All Blacks. Yeah, yeah and then, I think I'm with you. And the... In the yeah, and then in the pack, you've got Brady Retallick and Sam Whitelock going up against each other, uh, which is always a great battle. And they've got a couple of guys who could potentially be the next Sam Whitelock and Brady Retallick uh, under their arms. So you've got um, Tubo Vai, who's obviously already played for the All Blacks, and the very promising Dom, Dom Gardner as well. So uh, there's, And then there's the ongoing narrative of Sam Kane, um, who just seems to be getting better every week and is really answering his critics, of which there were a lot over the last couple of years. And I think that we're going to be seeing Another big game out of him um, this year. There was talk during the week about his, uh, his captaincy. I think that story was kind of blown out of proportion, to be honest, um, because I think the reason why he hasn't had a conversation with Ian Foster about captaincy is because he doesn't really need to. I think that's a pretty easy call for um, <laughs> It's Ian, a waste of Ian everyone's Foster, time, right? isn't it? <laughs> a little bit, yeah. What um, a waste of a phone call that would be. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, and, and I think that if Ian Foster did ring him up and say, hey, I want to talk to you about the captaincy, he'd probably... Uh, he'd probably say, "Hey, well, what do you mean? <laughs> We've, um, I thought I thought I had the job for uh, for this four years anyway." So, so there's that. Um, I think he's playing great football anyway. Um, I, I can't yeah. think of anyone else who I'd rather have leading the All Blacks at the moment, and or, or playing number seven um, as well. The only guy who's kind of getting close to him is Dalton Papali'i. But in that case, if you're going to use what Dalton Papali'i has been how Dalton Papali has been used in the All Blacks um, since he's been picked, he may well end up on the blind side or, or as a guy coming off the bench. So, I, yeah, I, I think that that's, that's a bit of a dead debate, to be honest. 
Great to chat as always, Jamie. Full of uh, great nuggets here. Do appreciate it, my friend. Go enjoy your weekend. No worries, Snake. And um, if, you, if you're supporting uh, grassroots rugby, get out and um, check out your club rugby this weekend, please. Absolutely. Well said, Jamie. Thanks, mate. Jamie Walk, great um, campaigner for the grassroots. Still heavily involved. Washed up player, he describes himself as that. He went all right. Fine scribe and author. Check out his work um, across the, the rugby sphere. Really interesting thoughts. You may want to react to uh, what Jamie has pointed out, Double eight, double three. whether it's about the Canes' victory last night against the Brumbies, that the Brumbies are a lot better than we, perhaps little arrogant New Zealand rugby fans, give credit for a match-up. That is the Crusaders and Chiefs and some uh, interesting thoughts about um, you know the all-black puzzle. Uh, it is 11 away from 11. 0800 150 811 This is the Saturday session. You're listening to the Mowers Club Hour. If you're out doing some chores today, getting some well-earned brownie points to spend on sport, let us know. You're going in the draw to win a prize pack, thanks to Tui Lawn Force. Back after the short break. Mowers Club Hour here on the Saturday session. We have two prize packs to give away during each show. Um, fantastic little uh, prizes as well. Some wonderful uh, gear to help you grow uh, wonderful lawns. All thanks to Tui Garden uh, Producers, Saturday session, Moa's got brought to you by Tui Lawn Force. You can visit their new Lawn Force website hub for expert lawn advice. Uh, some great tips on how to grow a great uh, lawn, etc., etc. If you're out uh, doing some chores, earning some brownie points, uh, send those through to double eight, double three. I always love hearing how you're making sure you can catch up with some sport over the weekend. Before we head off to news at the top of the hour, double eight, double three, by the way, that's where you send your messages. Uh, it is time for the Ot Show, the sporting stories you may have missed, but you definitely need to know about. I love this story, just one story today. German second division club Fortuna Dusseldorf will be offering free tickets to all fans in some matches next season as part of a new strategy of anchoring the club tighter to the city and fans. Are you paying attention, New Zealand sporting organisations? Fortuna um, officials said free tickets to all supporters registering on a platform to be part of a ticket draw will be offered for at least three home games next season and costs would be covered by sponsors. Uh, we open up football for all. We have free entry for league games in this stadium, the Chief Executive's quote is saying. We call it Fortuna for all, which can and will lead us to a successful future. Uh, it's a pilot phase with at least three home games. will be expanded to more matches and eventually all home matches. Now, this ain't no small club. Fortuna have averaged have averaged almost 30,000 fans in the second division of German football this year. Germany's top flight uh, league, the Bundesliga, is the world's best attended football league with more than 42,000 fans on average at a game. That is well worth following. That is well... If you, it's a good way to, um, you know, build a connection, connectivity, you might say. The Ot Show, the sporting stories you may have missed, but you definitely need to know about. I say well done to you, Fortuna Sittard. Coming up after the break, what's rubbed me the wrong way? Grant Elliott, and we'll also talk sales NBL. Plenty to come.
11am, hope you're enjoying your Saturday morning. This is the Saturday session with Rum and Q. My name is Daniel McCarty. No Grant Elliott, he's still in Pakistan. We will hear from him later this hour, though, so fear not. You'll get your Elliott fix. Jacob is with me through to 1 o'clock before the good oil take over. Uh, double eight, double three. Keep your messages rolling in. You can always pick up the phone on 0800-150811. Though, at the top of the hour, time to reset and give you some sporting news. And we start off by uh, delivering some sad news. That legendary Silver Ferns coach, Tony Jamieson, has passed away. She was aged at 97. An obituary in the Post newspaper this morning said uh, Jamieson uh, died in the early hours of Friday morning. The obituary described her as a very passionate, motivated lady that will be missed by all who knew her. Her funeral will be held in her hometown of Rotorua on Monday. Jamieson was the first coach to lead the Silver Ferns, of course, to a World Cup victory in Perth back in 1967. Tony Jameson uh, trophy, which the Silver Ferns contest when they play international teams other than Australia, was named after her as a tribute in 2008. Our deepest sympathies and condolences uh, to the family and uh, wider extended uh, network of friends and no doubt a sorrowful uh, netball community around New Zealand. Eden Park has launched long-term plans for a major redevelopment, including a retractable roof, new north stand and renovated east and west stands, at a likely cost of, well, we're not really sure, described as Eden Park's 2.0, a vision for a world-class multi-purpose hybrid venue. The announcement did not include a time frame or a cost estimate or how the development will be funded and has yet to be presented formally to council or government whose support will likely be vital. And the Lucknow Supergiants made the second highest total in the English Premier League history as they thrashed the Punjab Kings by 56 runs in Mahali. They posted, get this, 257 for five off their 20 overs, with Australia's Marcus Stoiner smashing 72 off 40, um, and the West Indies' uh, Kyle Mayers making 54 off 24. It left them just six short of... Uh, the to- highest ever score made by the Royal Challengers Bangalore back in 2013 of 263 for five. Um, out of interest, Punjab were bowled out for 201 off the penultimate ball with the magnificently named Yash Takur taking four for 37. And there you have it, the very latest in sports headlines. It is three minutes after 11 o'clock. It is time for me to get on my high horse. We could have rubbed the wrong way. You can let us know what's rubbed you the wrong way uh, on double eight double three. But this is all courtesy of the great team at Rum and Q, award-winning rubs, sauces, and seasoning. Now, something that has rubbed me the wrong way, and no, it's not New Zealand Rugby's attempt to explain their $47.4 million loss midweek as deliberate, uh, or that they expect to break even in the next three to ten years. Covered your bases enough there, team. Uh, or that the organisation is looking to diversify, diversify revenue streams through investing in NFTs or cryptocurrency. Creepy much? Uh, nor is it Eden Park announcing their vision for the future, a vision that did not include a time frame nor cost estimate or nor how the development will be actually funded. Those stories just made my head spin. What rubbed me the wrong way was actually watching a team it was giving me great joy. Yeah, I'm an odd individual. Just, just roll with me here. A truly elite team. As I watched on and on during the week, I couldn't help but think watching this team that it's just not fair. They are so good. They're simply beyond any of their rivals. Yes, I'm clearly not a fan of this team, and yes, I'm clearly jealous. But it's my show. I'll say what I want. It's rubbed me the wrong way. How can you not when you're watching English Premier League side Manchester City at the moment? and dominating their nearest rivals, Arsenal, so easily in a potential title decider in the English Premier League midweek. 
Four goals to one. Four goals to the men, one goal to a little boy. It was men v boys. In two games against Arsenal, they have won by a combined score of 7-2. to 7-2. to two. They won 3-1 earlier in the year at Arsenal's home ground. And their most recent victory was not built on the back of Tiki Taka, the beautiful short passing so associated with their genius manager Pep Guardiola. Oh no, they were far more direct, old-fashioned, get it launched almost, to encourage Erling Haaland to use all his physical prowess, which he has a lot of, not just amazing hair. Oh how I want to touch that hair. And link up with the magical Kevin De Bruyne. Uh, the Gunners had no foul pie, foul, firepower rather, to stop City. Manchester City are the perfect blend of financial might, elite coaching, world-class talent in every position, and incredible squad depth. They are clocking football. They have huge financial clout, owning to the fact that they are owned by a nation-state. It's a joke their owners were ever allowed to take control of that club, but the nation-state cat is out of the bag, and it ain't going back in, is it? Their wage bill is twice the size of Arsenal's, and Arsenal have been so good themselves this year. But ultimately, Arsenal will be looking up at City when the season is done. And what really rubbed me up the wrong way as I was watching City smash Arsenal, I keep thinking to myself, as long as Pep Guardiola is at that club, nothing can stop them. Nothing. It's clear to me that the 2023 team is the most well-rounded, versatile City they may have ever had. That's scary. And it's so obvious. No doubt in my little mind, City win the treble. The EPL, FA Cup, Champions League will reside on the blue side of Manchester in a few weeks' time, and I will be green with envy. That's rubbed me up the wrong way. What say you? Double eight, double three, oh eight hundred one five zero eight eleven. Yes, I can kind of be complimentary while I'm being mean, but they're that good. No one's stopping them. No one is, and I'm just jealous. That's it. I'm petty. Get used to it. So tell me what's rubbed you up the wrong way. 0800 150 Experienced Rum and Q's award-winning barbecue rub sauces and seasonings. Absolutely perfect for any occasion. And for all of our listeners who play a part and rubbed you the wrong way, text in your answer to 8833 and you could be in to win thanks to the awesome team at Rum and Q. Each week for Rub the Wrong Way, we will be giving away a prize pack of their awesome stuff. It is awesome. I broke the seal during the week on the first product, and I'm, I'm in love. I will explain with Grant Elliott uh, a little bit later uh, exactly what I tried and what I loved about it. But tell me what's rubbed you the wrong way this week. Double eight, double three, or pick up the phone, 0800-150-811, and you could have some magnificent Rummy Q gear. Stay with us. Back after this. 12 minutes after 11 o'clock, double eight, double three. A few text messages have uh, backed up. A reminder, uh, what's rubbed you the wrong way? What's rubbing you the wrong way uh, is now open. You fire through your suggestions. You could win some uh, wonderful uh, products from Rum and Q. And they are really good. I'm not, I'm not lying. I, they're really good. Like, too good. I might have a problem, an addiction. Uh, what's rubbing me up the wrong way? Right, so Dave, I text. I guess uh, this season, more than any NRL season, is the way the refs are treated by players in public. We know they aren't perfect. They are going to miss calls, stuff up, they're human. But damn people, the players think they're super human, would love a bit of old school respect shown. Well said, Dave. Um, and it's not just that sport, Dave. It's a huge bugbear of mine uh, across all sports, the way we treat officials. And we wonder why at the grassroots level so many sports are struggling to attract people into to officiating. Mm, I wonder why. Um, and you know what? I was an absolute grub the way I spoke to referees when I played. And I, I, I look back 
kind of appalled at myself. Pathetic. Really pathetic. Thanks uh, for sharing. Uh, get your uh, quotes coming in Let's um, and, and thoughts. What's rubbed you up the wrong way? G'day, Cliff. Welcome in. Yeah, morning, Daniel. Yeah, it's hard to get people interested in officiating and being involved in club, let alone even getting them to play nowadays. But I've been watching a bit of the EFE, uh, Premier League. Uh, I watched Alan Shearer, you know, the comments game after the game the other day, or before the game it was, actually. Uh, Alan Shearer and a few of the boys. And uh, they're just in awe of Man City. I mean, Man City have been building this team for probably a, about a dozen years, and they're just getting better and better every year. They're, <laughs> their strength across the field, you know, they, they were a great team probably six years ago. I remember their, their, their captain, um, I, I just can't think of his name. But Vincent he, he Company. In the midfield. <clears throat> yeah, well, yeah, guys like that, <laughs> they were great. They had a, and Sergio Aguero and all those guys. But this, this unit, they started off slow, a bit like United. United did the same. United looked terrible at the start of the year made some changes, and, and, and they've actually got themselves in a position where they can make the top four. But, you know, Man City just grind. They just grind. And, and, and then they'll come out and they'll just have a big, big series of wins. You know, look, beating teams up 5-6-0 um, and even beating up the, the team that they're against, you know, to finish in the top spot, beating them up both times. And then they'll just glide along. And then they'll win the treble. I, I, they're the Barcelona of, of you know fifteen years ago, and the, and the the other sides before them. But yeah, I don't know where if the money stays in, know. and they just keep. Yeah, well, I, I, I think it's tied to Pep. If Pep Guardiola gets bored and wants to move on, I, I think that will see them take a dip. I hold him in that much esteem, but it's just the perfect blend of financial might, talent, great coaching. And, and I'm just so jealous. I'm so jealous. There's no slowing. My club, Liverpool, gave them a great run for three or four years. Now we're having to rebuild. They, they just keep going. They evolve. They've added Harling. Um, Harling and, and now Pep Guardiola seems to be a little bit more prudent, like not being completely tied to one style. He can throw different looks, different systems. I just don't see anyone stopping them. Um, and, and this no. whole, we don't want to talk about the treble nonsense. Talk about, it's going to happen. You're with me, aren't you, Cliff? Oh, definitely. Now, my, my team, West Ham, you know, on paper, the, the starting eleven is, is a pretty useful side. It's got Brazilian, you know, it's got Argentinian, it's got quality players. But at the end of the day, the quality is right through the game. You know, the, the bottom half a dozen teams, except for Southampton, they've been winning games. You know, just when I thought West Ham looked like they're going to be safe, the teams below them keep winning. And, and then... It's a, it's, the Premier League is the, the best competition other than the NRL as well that, that, that teams can upset. That, that it's, yeah. You never know really what's going to happen. You, you look yeah, very city. true. And, and that makes what they've achieved, titles in what, 2012, 2014, 18, 19, 21, 22, and I think they had three runners-ups in that uh, time frame. A, a joke. Uh, that's why I'm jealous. That's why they're rubbing me out the wrong way because uh, I'm just jelly. Jealous and petty. Grant Elliott isn't. It's time to head to Pakistan. Good to chat, Cliff. You're in the draw, mate. Don't you worry about that. Always uh, great to have your um, uh, thoughts. It's almost 17 minutes after 11. S-E-N-Z. Time to catch up with the better half of the Saturday session. Let's go to Pakistan. He is big. He's a big deal in Pakistan. We know that. He's our dear friend. The best-looking man in all of international cricket commentary. It's Grant Elliott, who survived another week in Pakistan because... 
Um, he's here with us now. You didn't have to go through any 140k bus rides this time to survive the last seven days? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I think it was too traumatic, the bus trip, so they just made us stay in Rawalpindi in Islamabad. But, I mean, this has been interesting. It has been interesting because uh, there's security protocols, which I don't know how consistent they are, but, um, you know, they're, they're, they're happening. But when Carl Mills drove me home from Islamabad, uh, uh, the center of the, the town one night, I did start questioning it. But it's been good. It's been good. Millsy's gone home. So my gym partner in the morning has uh, gone home. He's playing in a, in a golf tournament uh, with all his mates. And I'm here stuck with the one days. Brilliant. Okay. And, of course, last week you broke curfew. You snuck out through security to have a night out. You didn't do that. You learned your lesson. Some key learnings for you, Grant Elliott, is listen to those who do security in Pakistan. Well, I wouldn't say snuck out. I'd just say that maybe security didn't see where we were going because – uh, they're on high alert now. I'll tell you that. Wherever we go, there's uh, there's quite a bit of security. Um, but but there's, there's a really nice um, area. It's almost like the Strip in Christchurch. Uh, and you can get some awesome dinners there. We've been to Chop Chop Walk. We've been to Fuko, which is an Italian. And we've been to a Japanese restaurant. So um, we try and get out as commentators group every night um, that we're not playing. And we try and just have a nice dinner out. Uh, Lisa Stalake has joined us, and so is Mark Butcher. So I used to be at Surrey with Mark Butcher. So it's good to see old friends and uh, new faces. Well, Butcher's a great commentator too. I'm sure you're work, uh, loving working alongside him for sure. All right, should we talk some cricket? Gee, like long gaps between some games during the series. Um, what have you been doing holed up in your hotel? Are you watching a lot of the IPL as well? Being the cricket nerd you are? Yeah, there's um, there's a few channels floating around, like there's this thing called a fire stick that people have got, and um, yeah, it's it's got all the channels that you your heart desires. So we've been watching a little bit of the IPL. It was good when there was the double header because it started at three p.m. and then you could watch it all the way through. But um, starts at seven p.m. So generally, sort of gets in the way of dinner. But yeah, we've been watching a bit of cricket you know going to the gym and then there is a mall here every now and then the crew goes to the mall got a big south african contingent here from super sport that uh the cameraman and that which is great so i'm touching up on my koza and my zulu again <laughs> uh but great 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 bunch of people and uh i mean that's what it's about you know when you travel i realized in my cricket career it's about people and it's about the team and the connections that you make, you know, the game itself and commentating is what you do, but it's always around that side. So I don't mind the down downtime as long as you're making those connections. Yeah. He's been firing stick, ladies and gentlemen, a bit like Devin Conway in the IPL. See what I did there. Hey, Mark Chapman was someone we talked about at great length halfway through the T20 series. Um, actually, it was after game four, I think we last spoke, wasn't it, Grant? He then goes one better. He trumped all he did in the first four games, which was excellent, uh, and then goes out and plays a match-winning uh, 100 alongside Jimmy Nation. What an amazing partnership that was uh, to finish the series level in Pakistan. I, I didn't give any New Zealand any chance. Bow down to Mark Chapman, Jimmy Nation. That must have been something, um, you know, to make a former black cap in yourself quite proud to watch. Oh, I was watching the game, and I said to the commentators, I said, in over five, because we lost quick wickets, I just said, if we, you know, the next three overs, this will define the game. You know, we needed 12 and over then. So if we went slow then, 
it would have ramped up to 15, 16, and then you're going, well, it's no chance from there on in because there's just too many overs to work with. And um, they just kept the, the consistency of, you know, 12 and over, 12 and over. They just kept going. Uh, there was a bit of dew around. Pakistan didn't bowl that well. Um, and, I, I mean, Jimmy Neesham was amazing. We, we didn't talk much about him because of what was happening on the other side with Chapman. But I do wonder, I mean, a lot of this game is played in the head. and. I wonder if, you know, Chapman was going home that night or early in the morning. His bags were packed. Um, he probably thought, oh, well, you know, I've had a great series. I've got nothing to lose. We need 12 and over. I'm just going to play some shots. And that's how you should always play cricket. And he's gone out there and expressed himself, and then that was the result. Because he's always been a guy that's been on the bench and in and out all the time. And then suddenly he plays an innings like that, gets back to the hotel, and there's a video of him taking his bags, which were already packed, walking to reception and getting a new key card for his room because he was staying for the one day. So a pretty cool story. And I've got to take my hats off to the selectors and to New Zealand cricket to say, you know what? This guy deserves a one-day spot. And then he plays in the first game. So very rarely does that happen. And I wonder how many countries would have actually done that, where they go, actually, this guy's going to stay on. So yeah, hats off to them. And with World Cup blooming, you know, he becomes an option. There's just so many options for that number three spot in one-day cricket. Like maybe Chapman becomes an option if Latham moves up to number three. But then maybe, you know, Will Young opens and Devin Conway goes down to three. Maybe Glenn Phillips goes <laughs> into three and, or everyone jumps up a spot because Mitchell batted at three yesterday and scored 100. So maybe Mitchell bats at three and Latham bats at four, but then who's at five? So... It's, there's just so many um, combinations that we could use, but I just hope that we don't cloud things by giving too many people an opportunity. I hope we can just settle in on it. Um, and, you know, Chad Bowes might be someone who scores a big hundred here, and then does he come into contention? So, yeah, it's, uh, it's an interesting time with Kane Williamson out and all the, the batting options that we've got, but it's a crucial position. Number three is a crucial position in one-day cricket. Hope you're keeping up, boys and girls. A lot of options, as Grant has pointed out. I'm struggling to keep up. Uh, that was quite a long list. We'll drill down a little bit deeper um, in, in just a moment. But the, the selectors do listen to the Saturday session, Grant. It's, that's well known around cricketing circles. <laughs> and last week, we highlighted the fact that Mark Chapman uh, has a list day average, career career average of, you know, close to 50. Um, yes, he had a very lean four, uh, four trophy. It's four trophy. Um, but other than that, he's been very consistent at the domestic level. But you raised this exact point during uh, our chat last week, and he reiterated it after his heroics in the 100. I'm getting consistent games now. I know I'm getting a run of games. And you talk about how, how important that is um, at, 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 that, um, at that level. It's so important i reckon it's actually the strength of new zealand cricket i mean let's be honest like henry nichols got that test run in wellington where he had had so many failures leading up to that and he returned the favor by scoring a double hundred and you know like i think the players they know they're going to get an extended run whereas i think when i played i thought geez, every game felt like it was going to be my last and it's tough enough playing the game you know, when, you know, there's enough pressure on the field and having that anxiety of like, you know, having to score runs to stay in the team. And I think it's a dangerous place to be because then I think people are sometimes happy with 30s and 40s because they get another game. But 
having that consistency of lineup and selection, but not only that, but it's the consistency of role so that you can dominate your role and you can practice your role. So role clarity is, is massive and it's a real strength. Whereas I look, you know, Pakistan for the T20s, they pick like five openers and then they just throw them in the order. And, um, you know, it was like Jason Roy playing the IPL the other day. He batted at four. Well, like, why is he coming in at four? Decent innings. But when he got picked up in the auction, he would have thought, oh, well, I'll be opening. Like, you know, uh, that's, that, that's where I bat. Um, and he opened the other <laughs> night, which was a better selection. But you need that role clarity. So I find selections and selectors one of the most important pieces of the puzzle, um, along with the coach and captain, because if you get that right, you can create an environment of confidence, clarity, and, um, and consistency. The three C's. There you go. There's three C's there. Now let's move beyond C to D. Daryl Mitchell. He should bat number three. He got 100, Grant. Haven't we just decided it? Daryl Mitchell bat three. Is it that simple? I don't think it's that simple because there's one question mark, and I'd say the question mark would be Finn Allen because I don't think Finn Allen, at the moment, I don't think he'd be a dead certainty. So, you know, does that mean Will Young comes into the picture? Could Devin Conway bat at three? There's a lot of options for three, but I like the simplicity of that. Let's just go, Daryl Mitchell's at three, he's performed. Where does Tom Latham bat? Is he at four or is he at five? He struggled a bit last night, Tom Latham, but we know, you know, his quality in terms of resurrecting an innings if we're in trouble. That's why I quite like him at five. Um, yes, same. But yeah, let, let, let's play, let's play Daryl Mitchell at three. It was a great hundred. I mean, did you see his wagon wheel, Daniel? No, no, I, di- I, I didn't. All I know is I, he got 113 off 115, hit 11 fours and a six. He was going at a pretty good rate. So I'll tell you about his wagon wheel. His wagon wheel was just in the V. I think he hit something like 74% of his runs in the V. And the rest was, you know, square and behind square. Whereas um, Fakhar Zaman hit 74% behind himself and square the wicket. So, you know, he stuck to his strengths. He kept it simple. And you know that like when you start playing cricket, the, the MCC coaching manual always used to say, hit the ball in the V because it was the safest place because you're presenting the full face of the bat. And that's what he did the whole innings. He kept it simple and he went to run a ball, 100. All right, let's play our favourite game that you've never played with me before, uh, but we'll play now. It is called Grant Elliott's Current, but very likely to change and often before the opening game of the Cricket World Cup 11. Um, I, I want you to give oh. me your current Black Caps 11 to play the first game of the Cricket World Cup. Yes, Grant Elliott, this will change often. But this week, it's like your power rankings, I guess. Who's opening? Okay. Gun to your head. Okay, so I'm going to open with uh, Finn Allen and Devin Conway. All right. Who's coming in at number three, Grant Elliott? Number three, as we spoke about, to me, it's got to be in subcontinent conditions. He's batted so well um, in the T20 World Cup as well, opening. He's probably one of our best all three format players at the moment. Daryl Mitchell. It's Daryl Mitchell. At number four, Grant Elliott, you are playing whom? Number four, this is going to be a tough one. The reason why it's tough is because I like Latham at five. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shift Latham up. I might, actually, you know what? I'm going to go Glenn Phillips at four. I'm going to go for someone explosive. That way, we've got Finn Allen and Conway. 
Then we've got someone a little bit more circumspect in Daryl Mitchell. Mm -hmm. Then we've got a little bit more power because I like a little bit of yin and yang. I like someone who's <laughs> who's playing shots at one end, and at the other end, I like someone who's rotating the strike, but also the ability to hit fours. Right, there's your top five. Alan Conway, Mitchell Phillips, Latham. Who bats at number six? Have we got uh, Nishim? No. Nishim six. Nishim six. Who's at seven? Satin is seven. Eight. I'm going to have to go with either Sodi or Southie. Okay, Sodi or Southie. Okay, you're straddling a fence there. I will accept it. I will accept okay. it. Okay. Um, conditions based. Well, conditions based. Yeah, I'm definitely putting in Ferguson. Yes. Ferguson and Henry, and then uh, is Bolt is a, is Bolt available? I still don't know if he's available or not. Well, no, this is your team. You can choose anyone uh, who is a current active New Zealand cricketer. You know he's in my team, mate. Okay. We've been fighting over this for months. Okay, so Bolt's in there. So how many have I got there? Have I got 12? I'm just staring at my mobile phone, so I can't... Uh, no, I you have got Nishim at got. six, Santa at seven, Sodi or Southey at eight, Ferguson, Henry, and Bolt. So you're leaving out, I guess, uh, another spinning option. You could go a Bracewell or, or something of the sort. Uh, but yeah, you've gone Sodi. Sodi yeah, we, we have to bracket Nisham with Bracewell, depending on the conditions. Okay. And then Sodi the and so the, so, Saudi and Henry are all bracketed, depending on who they want to play there. Because I think Bolt's left right. arm, um, Ferguson's pace, you've got the wrist spinner, Sodi, left arm ortho of Satna, you've got the potential of playing a medium pacer in, in Nisham, the all-rounder, medium pacer, or if it's a Bunsen burner, you're playing Bracewell as the off-spinning option and the power header. Solid squad. Uh, that, a solid squad. That was Grant Elliott's current, but very likely to change, and often World Cup eleven team. We're a number of months away. It will change lots. All right, Grant Elliott, let's wrap <laughs> this one up. Uh, New Zealand go down. Pakistan made the run chase look reasonably comfortable getting home. Five wickets down. What chance of New Zealand? I give them every chance to win one. Beyond that, though, I have my serious doubts. Um, can they can they win another one day series in Pakistan? You know, mere months after doing it. Well, I worked it out um, since 1984. All the games we've played in Pakistan and series we've played in Pakistan, we've played 18 one day games and we've won four. Two of those, two of those came in January. So we won yeah. the series in January, the first ever series we've beaten Pakistan. So we have beaten them before, but that was with our nine. Like in sixty nine, seventy, wasn't it? Wasn't it? Didn't we win one in like sixty nine? <laughs> no, no. The first series was in nineteen eighty four, and I think we won one game there, and we won one in the middle somewhere uh, around the sort of nineties. Uh, um, and then we won the two in January. So that, that's our four one-day games. But we weren't far off yesterday. I mean, we were, we were 30 runs shy. I thought that we were going to um, lose in the 44th, 45th, but we were 30 runs shy. And the reason why we were 30 runs shy is we didn't dominate the power play and Pakistan bowls so well at the death. We got, we got 49 runs in the power play uh, with the first 10 overs. And at the death, we got 59 runs. 
So there's 108 runs in uh, yep. 20 overs. So, you know, those are the overs that you should be dominating. The middle, I actually think we batted better than Pakistan through the middle. Um, so, you know, we got wickets uh, against them, whereas all of our wickets came at sort of the death. Speaking to Daryl Mitchell after the game, he said it's so difficult at the death because they nailed the Yorker and he said the ball is just like, it feels like hitting a beanbag, he said. It's just like, there's just nothing on it. So, which tells you even more that you have to dominate the power play. And we went, you know, 49, we lost a one wicket with, with Chad Bowes and Will Young kicked on. But that's why I think Finn Allen is an option because I think that you need someone who's going to provide that impetus in the power play um, and give you that, that power. So 30 runs shy, hopefully that's what they're reflecting on. I think we bowled decently, we bowled well enough. Uh, Sodi was impressive, especially when Barbara Azam came in. Uh, he came in and Sodi asked some serious questions. We went upstairs for a review. I thought it was going to be out. It was just outside the line. Uh, but he was turning the ball both ways. There was bounce. Um, and now with the, the, the rules of only having four out uh, in the outer ring, um, it makes it difficult for spinners. So you have to be attacking. Um, otherwise, you're going to leak runs. So I think we've got a chance. It's just whether or not we, we take advantage of that power play. Grant, we miss you. We can't wait to have you back whenever that may be, but we do appreciate your time uh, dropping by. And be safe in the knowledge I have not ploughed through all the rum and Q product uh, from our gift box. <laughs> I, I, I've, I've, I've only <laughs> used it sporadically. I, I'm thinking of you, and I have to say, and you probably need to run a tape over this. Um, I can't believe I'm going to say it. I love soft cock. It's amazing. It's amazing. The soft cock rub, that's uh, CO. Q for you in, in, infantiles. It's French. It's French. It's an all-purpose rub for pork, fish, and chicken. It is just magnificent, Grant. More for the soft cock. Magnificent. I can't wait to do the jingle for that when we get back. It probably involves my name and the name of the rub. Brilliant. Yes. Yeah, yes. I, can, I, I can see why. I, I yes. can see why they've jumped all over it. This <laughs> is perfect for us, isn't it? Grant, stay safe, stay alive. We'll catch up again next week, mate. Miss you. ta I miss you, brother. S-E-N-Z. Yes, I highly recommend uh, Rum and Q's uh, Softcock. Um, beautiful, beautiful product. You had it on my chicken during the week. Magnificent. Absolutely wonderful. Keep your um, what's rubbing you up the wrong way coming through on double eight double three, and we could give you some rum and Q products. Uh, that was Grant Alec joins us every week from Pakistan while he's over there uh, commentating cricket for the little television. Uh, we will take a short break. We're going to talk some uh, sales NBL with Justin Nelson, who of course is another familiar voice here, part of Hoops Head on Tuesday nights, doing great work with Sky Sport as well. Yeah, the competition's been fascinating to say the least. Very well supported up and down the country. Wonderful sport, basketball is, especially live. Like if you have not gone to, gone to a game live, you really are missing out. It is the one sport I would uh, elevate above all others that, you know, while it's a great TV product, watching it live, it's just something else. Uh, Justin Nelson is going to join us shortly. It's 24 away from 12. Two minutes away from 12 o'clock. This is the Saturday session. Keep your uh, messages coming through on double eight double three. Got plenty here backed up. I'll get to those uh, shortly. But we don't want to keep our, our next guest waiting. He's out for a walk. Um, he walks long distances. He could be in a. He could be out of range. 
um, in, in just mere minutes. That's what an athlete he is. He's a, he's a fine basketballing mind. Uh, the better-looking half um, of Hoops Heads here on SENZ. You catch him on Tuesday nights. Uh, it's been too long since uh, he's been on this show, so we welcome back Justin Nelson's doing fine work with Sky Sport as well. Justin, how far are you walking today? How much are you putting me to shame? <laughs> You've just put me to shame with all of those compliments. Let me tell you that. Uh, now, look out in the uh, out in the sun this morning. Beautiful down in the capital city. I'm I'm here for the Saints and the Giants tonight. And uh, yeah, look, it's always beautiful to walk through uh, Wellington along the waterfront and just enjoying the morning. Well, I'm glad you're here in Wellington um, and that you're being treated to a, a, a typical Wellington day in the Riviera of the South Pacific. It's just it's wonderful. There's no other place you'd rather be. Actually, to confess, I have lived here for four years now, so I am well and truly used to how wonderful this city is. And, uh, yeah, look, when the weather's like this, the way it has been the last few days, from what I've heard, it's um, it's just awesome to get out and enjoy it. Big game tonight uh, in Wellington. The Saints up against the Giants. Arch rivals, of course, you know, near neighbours, don't like each other, and combined 0-7. We'll get to that shortly because last night we've got to talk about what happened. As Canterbury's gone to the top of the table, haven't they, after their fourth win from five games, uh, beating Southland. This was going to be a, a tough matchup. They won by 16 points in the end. It looked like, to me, pretty comfortable in that first half. Yeah, definitely. Look, they're a very good unit. Judd Flavel has put together a very deep roster. When you consider in the Sells NBL, you're allowed three imports, three international players. And at the moment, the Rams have the luxury of bringing two of their three international players off the bench, which is almost unheard of. In fact, in my time covering the, the competition, I haven't seen it before. So it's a very deep roster for the Rams. They got up uh, early. The Sharks didn't play too bad, to be honest. Um, it was a very honest performance by the Sharks, but the Rams just a little bit better on their home court in front of another sellout crowd, uh, which is something we're getting used to seeing in the Sells NBL every week now, uh, which is awesome. Just great to see the fans coming out and enjoying the, uh, the product and the entertainment. Uh, importantly for the Rams, though, in the next few weeks, they will lose Ty Wynyard. Of course, that was the big news coming out of Christchurch during the week. Ty Wynyard has signed a 3x3 contact, a contract in China, in Shanghai, believed to be worth more than $250,000 US or NZD. Uh, most people talk in US as they do in China. So a wonderful opportunity for Ty Wynyard. He had another 28 points last night. He has been uh, on fire so far this season. He's going to be a huge hole for the Rams to fill. He was stuffing his face like I do at the buffet. 28 points, 12 rebounds, 11 of 13 from the floor. Like it's kind of you don't they can't replace that, can they? No, they can't. And, and that is the key uh, in terms of where the Rams are going to go from here. What you do need to do is you need to put your hand up and say, "Well, we can't replace that." What they're going to have to do is probably find another way to play. Just change the way they do things uh, and. Look, Judd Flavel is one of the very best coaching minds going around. He'll already be on top of that for sure. All right. Uh, the only other, un- well, the only unbeaten side, the only other side on four wins is the Otago Nuggets. Surprise, surprise. They're humming along. Gee, they've got it right over the last few years, haven't they? Yeah, they have. Uh, I called the Nuggets game on uh, on Thursday night against the Giants, and look, scores were tied up with about eighty seconds 
to play. And if we think back to the previous Thursday night when we had that triple overtime thriller, I thought we were in for another long shift uh, in the Sky Sports uh, commentary uh, position. <laughs> but uh, a couple of big baskets for the Nuggets in those uh, in that last minute got them home. And as you said, they're unbeaten. They're the only unbeaten team in the competition at the moment. They're four and zip and looking really, really good. Uh, they've got some quality imports. Todd Withers is a beast at both ends of the floor. I mean, quite often you get Americans coming to this country. We know that they can score. They're offensively um, uh, minded players. What Todd Withers does so well is he can do it at the offensive end, but defensively, he's the best in the competition. He is so hard to play against. And at the moment, it's definitely helping the Nuggets with what they're doing. Taranaki Manawa too, near neighbours. They'll be, they'll be spicy tonight. Yeah, it will be. Um, Airs are probably a little bit under strength. They've still got Anthony Hilliard uh, to come in. He was the league's top scorer last season, so he's another week or two away. He will make a big, big difference to that Airs team. And the Jets, everyone is talking up the Jets at the moment. The Green Army is rising. They're very, very <laughs> active on social media. Their crowd last week was awesome. I love what this team is doing. I love the roster that Natsu Tofale has put together. The three imports are the best trio of imports in the competition. They've got some young guns coming through the ranks as well. I'll tell you what, if you want to get behind a team right now, that will be the fairy tale story of the season if they can get up into the final six, the Manawatu Jets. That one tips off at 5 o'clock, then at 7 o'clock, for which you'll have the call, Justin, uh, the Saints up against the Giants. I, I don't know how many board meetings those two franchises would have had during the week. 0-3, um, 0-4. Um, the Giants are on 4 the Saints 0-3. Uh, incredible to see those two storied franchises at the bottom without a win. Man, there'll be, be a lot of heat on those teams to perform tonight. Yeah, the, 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 the pressure cooker is high. Make no mistake, that fry pan is burning right now for these two teams. Remember last season, final six, dash to the line to make the playoffs. Ten wins got you in. So if you look at the Giants tonight, for instance, they're 0-4 and four right now. If they lose tonight and go to 0-5, and five, it means they've got to go 10-3 and three from here to have a shot at making the final six. That's tough when your form guide will say 0-5. and five. The Saints not too far off that mark either. It is a really big game. The Saints have made massive moves during the week. Isaiah Liafa, Wellington boy, we know what he's done with the Breakers. We know what he's done in the ANBL. He comes in. He will play tonight. He's here for a couple of weeks before he heads back to the States. The Saints hope to get him back again later in the season. But a huge play right now to rack up some wins while they've got him here. And the other big player that's come in is a replacement import, Isaiah Mucius comes in tonight. He's a power forward so it's a very different looking Saints team to what we've seen. However the Saints have lost their opening three games all on their home floor. It is unthinkable they would yeah. lose again tonight and start the season on their home deck. Zero and four on the upside. The crowds keep getting another sellout tonight in the capital. Quite amazing. Let's swing to Sunday. A couple of uh, matchups. You've got the Hawks up against South and uh, Frank, uh, Franklin up against uh, Auckland. Auckland have sort of a daunting week ahead with Otago on the horizon, but they don't want to take their eyes off tomorrow, do they? The Tuatara. No, they don't want to take. No, I don't want to take the eyes off the off the Bulls. The big question mark here is whether the Bulls will be at full strength. Last week they missed Tyrell Harrison, who had uh, hit double doubles in terms of points and rebounds in every game so far this season. So he was a big loss last week, and Dan Fortu 
who's out with an injury as well. So if those two players miss again, that's going to be a tough game for them. Battle of the North taking on the Tuatata, who look a lot better, as we saw against the Saints with Rob Lowe in uniform. And the other game, the Sharks on the rebound. They hit a little bit further north today after their loss last night. The Hawks, what an amazing start to the season for them. If you're a Hawks fan, hard-in-your-mouth stuff. First game, they won it in overtime. Second game, they came from behind to beat the Saints in the last eight minutes of that game. Third game, they had a, what was it, a buzzer-beating loss with David Azor yeah. scoring that massive basket. And then their fourth game, a triple overtime loss. So what a start for Hawks fans. Incredible, eh? Jordan Nato, I think, racked up, what, 53 minutes on court? It's, it's absurd yeah. in one game. It's incredible <laughs> stuff. Hey, Justin, always great to chat. Have a great call tonight, mate. Enjoy the, enjoy the remainder of your stroll. Appreciate your time. Hey, good on you. Thanks very much. Thanks, Justin. Justin Nelson, part of Hoops here, here on SCNZ on Tuesday night. We have the call on Sky Sport for the Saints up against the Giants. Yeah, uh, story rivals over the years. 0-7 um, collectively. Whoa. There's going to be one incredibly angry franchise later tonight. That game tips off at 7. It's 10 away from 12. Double eight, double three. Keep your messages rolling through like this one. Boys hitting the gardening so can spend some time this afternoon with the Gord Oil and then off to Hamilton for the game. Go the Chiefs. Love some Tui products for the gardens. Uh, who doesn't? Thank you very much for your message. Uh, the Saturday Session Mowers Club with Tui Lawn Force uh, between 10 and 11. You share uh, with us and we'll share with you. We've got some prizes to give out. Uh, Andre and Chris for this week's win is well done. I think Andre's the one who claimed to have the worst lawn in the world. I look forward to regular feedback how it's going, Andre. Uh, we've still got prizes to give away. Fear not. We need to know what's rubbed you the wrong way. Someone writes, Mark and Pukagoi. What rubs me the wrong way? Don't understand my sister. I was born in Talmanunui, live in Pukagoi, and she loves the Crusaders. We're heading to the game tonight. Should be an absolute cracker. Well, good luck figuring that one out, Mark. I can understand why that rubs you the wrong way. You're in the draw to win some Rummy Q products. Excellent products. Uh, keep your messages coming through to double eight double three. Ben Sigmund's joining us in the final hour. We'll catch up with the Plato and crew. We've got so much to get through. Back on 12 o'clock. Welcome into the afternoon, people. Great to have you on board. Hope you were Friday. It's not Friday. Yesterday was Friday. I worked yesterday. Today's Saturday. That's why they call it the Saturday session, Jacob. You can see how sharp we are on the Saturday session, mate. I'm sure you've learned a lot in two hours. Sharp as a tack. It's good to have you back. Good to have you back, mate. Hope you're doing well. Jacob is here because Ben France is unwell. Speedy recovery, sir. Grant Elliott is in Pakistan, so unfortunately for the listeners, uh, you have to deal with me the majority of today. Uh, plenty to get through in the final hour of the show, including staples, the things you wait for, like the sporting tips you should probably run a mile from. Also, uh, the Midas Agritize Workhorse of the Week, who will win that uh, hugely significant sporting award dished out every week on the show. We'll catch up with the good oil. Ben Sigmund, former Wellington Phoenix legend, will join us. 
to talk about their big game tonight. At the top of the hour, though, we'd like to um, just download the latest in sports headlines. And unfortunately, sad news today with legendary Super Fern, Silver Ferns coach Tony Jameson passing away. She was 97, passing away in the early hours of Friday morning. Her funeral will be held in a hometown of Rotorua on Monday. Jameson was the first coach to lead the Silver Ferns to a World Cup victory in Perth in 1967. Tony Jamison Trophy, which the Silver Ferns contest when they play international teams other than Australia, was named after her as a tribute in 2008. Uh, more to come on that, uh, courtesy of New Zealand Netball. Um, some of the amazing achievements uh, Tony had in a life in netball. Uh, deepest condolences to the family and friends, of course. Seems all a little bit tried and trivial, but uh, Charles Leclerc has stormed to the third consecutive pole position in Azerbaijan, beating Red Bull's Max Verstappen. The Ferrari driver's 19th career pole is the team's first of the season, which has been marred by disappointment from the opening three races. Jeddah in Saudi Arabia will stage a preliminary regretter ahead of next year's America's Cup. Team New Zealand boss Grant Dalton confirmed all six syndicates that will contest the old mug in Barcelona next year will also compete for four days on the Red Sea in a regatta starting November 30th. It will be the only venue outside Spain to host America's Cup regatta. I wonder how Saudi Arabia got that done, Jake. I wonder how they, wonder how they pulled that off. don't know. The Hurricanes have beaten the Brumbies, out-culturing the Australian capital. The New Zealand capital clearly has more culture, part of Super Rugby's culture round. They also had more points last night, 32 points to 27. That's probably what helped them uh, close to within one point of the Brumbies, uh, sitting third overall, the Hurricanes, after that victory. And seven wins from nine this season. Uh, the Highlanders slump into another loss, going down 21 points to 20 to the Waratahs, conceding a 78th-minute try. Hope you're doing all right, Highlanders fans. Hasn't been a great year. And the big one tonight, Mm-mm-mm, it's tasty. Get your predictions in. Unbeaten Chiefs hosting the Crusaders in a much-anticipated clash in Hamilton. While in the NRL, the unthinkable happened. The Brisbane Broncos lost a game. I didn't think that would ever happen again. But not only did they lose, they uh, got towelled by the Rabbitohs, 32 points to 6. Yeah, the Rabbitohs went to Brisbane. Got the chocolates, um, second-half performance, exceptional. Four second-half tries to secure an impressive win. Broncos still top, and the Rabbitohs have climbed to third on the ladder. Of course, the Warriors take on the Roosters, four o'clock tomorrow afternoon, full commentary right here on SENZ. Our coverage starts with a build-up show from two o'clock, and then Sam and Kempe will have the call for you. The very latest in sports headlines to five minutes after 12 o'clock. Let's get back to your messages. I've been a little bit tardy in reading them. Hopefully, <clears throat> I haven't missed anyone out. Keep them coming through on double eight double three. Hello, Daniel. Disappointing crowd at the Cake Tin last night. Uh, I think people simply cannot afford to go with high costs of everything. There's no money left, so they pick and choose which games they go to. New Zealand clashes are always We'll always have more spectators there. Enjoy your show. Thank you, Di. Di, you know what? I hope you're right. No, I don't. I don't hope you're right. You're probably right. Um, people are doing it tough out there. I, I hope it's not right. I hope, you know, I'm, I'm being a naive fool here. I just don't like the thought of people suffering out there. 
Um, but it's probably playing a part, let's be frank. It's darn hard to feed the kids, families, each and every week, isn't it? We go to the supermarket. What? How much? Now you want me to pay money to go watch sport? Yeah. I hear you, die. And you're right. New Zealand uh, derbies always get bigger crowds. No doubt about that. Richie writes. Oh, this is a good one. Jake, if you're a big cricket fan, you, you, can, you, can, you can wind in here. Uh, Daniel, with you being happy that Trent Bolt is selected for the one-day World Cup squad later this year, are you also okay with Scott Robertson selecting Richie Moonga to play for the All Blacks while he's playing in Japan from 2024? Well, Richie, you are correct. I am clearly happy that Trent Bolt should be a pick for the New Zealand team at the one-day World Cup, provided he's available. Notice Grant Elliott came round. Did anyone else notice that? Grant Elliott, little flip-flop. Oh, now he's picking Trent Bolt. Not after, oh, you don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. You don't want to hurt people's feelings by picking someone who, I don't know, played for New Zealand for about 10 years and probably earned a bit of time off doing some coin, even though he's the best thing going around. Yeah, Grant Elliott's finally walked, walked that back. Anyway, I'm getting sidetracked, Richie. Part two, no. No. Why? Why? Why change? It, it's worked all right, hasn't it? Well, have, have things changed so dramatically over the last two years that we must now start picking players from overseas? It seemingly has worked at keeping players in New Zealand. Now, I feel comfortable enough saying this because about 10, 15 years ago when I started this, I was all for picking players from overseas. Uh, and I think I was proven wrong. So I, I don't know um, why they should change. It's a really interesting position, Jacob, that uh, Richie puts to us. Yeah. I, I understand where he's coming from. Yeah. But, you know, apples and oranges. Yeah, so do I. So do I completely. I mean, I've got a question to put to you. A, a similar sort oh, of situation about picking players from overseas. But do you think coaches from overseas should be able to um, be selected? So, for instance, like if the Leinster coach uh, – come 2024 will be a South African coach. Do you think, like, coaches should be able to move around as freely as players? Because it seems like that when a New Zealand rugby player signs their NZR contract, a sabbatical sabbatical clause is always put in for the top players Mm -hmm. to go overseas for a year to play in Japan. Should that be the case for a coach as well, do you think? Coaches are easier to replace, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, there's always another one coming through. Mm. It, it seems that they don't really have the leverage, do they? Mm. Coaches could... don't. Did coaches sell tickets? Ah, uh, Scott Razor Robertson do, does, I think. What people go and want to, to watch him coach or his players play? I uh, think it's the latter, isn't it? Mm, yeah, I see. We, yeah, I see your point, but I feel like the 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 sort of like gravitas that he has brings in fans. I mean, it's. I mean, I feel like people his team winning it. brings in the fans. Yeah. I, I, I would argue, and like, mm. I'm a big fan of his. Yeah, a big fan of his. Um, no issues with him becoming All Blacks coach. He's ready. What else has he got to prove? Um, yeah, I, I see where you're coming from. I, I just think it's about leverage. I, I don't think coaches um, have as much sway over the people who write checks at sporting organisations. Um, players move the needle more. That would be my quick um, response to that. Almost 10 minutes after 12, a couple more. Uh, quick question for Grant. Well, he answered this in his answer, uh, in his interview. Quick question for Grant. Do you think for the one-day World Cup we need a spinner? Is Ishodi consistent enough to warrant selection? Dave, you may have heard that on the 
And Jacob's a big fan of that uh, new segment we started. You're a big fan of the name of the of the segment, aren't you? Grant Elliott's current but very likely to change and often World Cup eleven. Oh yeah, it really rolls off yeah. the tongue. <laughs> yeah, it rolls off the tongue. Um, he currently has Isodi and Tim Southey bracketed at number eight. There you go. So he's close to hurting your feelings, Tim. Um, is Grant Elliott. So yes, Dave, he's certainly in Grant Elliott's thinking. Hi, Dano. This is someone clearly trying to win me over. <laughs> <clears throat> At least it's not Danny, right? Uh, are investing in Eden Park? It's a waste of money. Sell the land and use dollars to build state-of-the-art stadium on the waterfront. Building a wardrobe so I can go fishing, then watch racing, rugby, and league. Good on you, Dave. What a man. It's obviously uh, for the Saturday Session Mowers Club. Building a wardrobe so he can watch the racing rugby and league. It's a lot of brownie points you'll be catch, cashing in, my friend. I wish you luck. Uh, another one. Hello, Daniel and Lloyd. I don't know who Lloyd is. Who is Lloyd? I'll be Lloyd. Okay, hi, Lloyd. Hello, Daniel and Lloyd. Why do the Hurricanes wear black when they're playing at home? The refs wear yellow. Why should this have happened? Surely the Hurricanes' home colour is yellow. Who cares about what the ref wears? But it seems the refs have precedent in jersey, jersey colour. How wrong. Love your show. Rugby always. Regards, Steve. Good question, Steve. But come on, mate. I'm, I, I'm not educated enough to figure out how rugby decides which jerseys teams will wear. They've been making no sense on that for years, hence why it rubbed me out the wrong way. I talked about the prospect of the All Blacks in South Africa never, ever playing a test again wearing black and green, even though one wears black shorts and one wears white shorts. I c- that is beyond my station. I wish I could help. I simply cannot. I'm not capable enough. I'm not. I'm not equipped enough. Tim, um, writing from Crusaders Country, says, you know my opinion, D-Mac, on the rugby tonight. Damn straight I do, Tim. Your team's going to win by plenty, 13 and over. Um, Dave writes, hello, Daniel. Conrad Smith and Andrew Hoare, next Hurricanes coach, go the Chiefs. I could interpret that as you're sending us Conrad Smith and Andrew Hoare because you want the Chiefs to do better next year. That would be mean. Love Conrad and Andrew. Wonderful times over the years jousting with them. And lastly, but certainly not least, hi there, I've just come back from Fiji. I think Auckland are going to get a shock how hot it will be at 2 o'clock this afternoon. It's nearly unbearable at the moment. Might fade quite a lot in the second half. Interesting. Thank you very much for that rather lovely tidbit. Um, I think we will head off to Ben Sigmund in just a few minutes. Let's get a break out of the way and then we'll uh, be joined by the great man in just a few minutes. 17 minutes after 12 o'clock, huge game for the Wellington Phoenix as they're limping home after some self-inflicted gunshot wounds to the feet uh, in the A-League over the last few weeks. uh, Has them struggling to make the top six. Results went their way last weekend, so just a point is all they need. To talk about that, how do you get over some sort of late-season wobbles? Let's go and catch up with the former Wellington Phoenix. Great. One of my very favourites, over 15,000 minutes on the field in the A-League, 181 games. He started 175, staggeringly scored four more goals than he was sent off. Hello, Ben Sigmund. Hello. How are you, mate? Great That's to really hear your voice again. That's a really good introduction, isn't it? That's a really good introduction. 
<laughs> you know me, mate. Always here to win friends and influence people. You've been out, you've been out you've been out cash getting some brownie points in the garden this morning, have you? Well, I have, I have, but then now I've lost them because I've I've seen that I've got all the grass clippings in my legs and it's falling all through through. The <laughs> oh no, no! So you weren't you weren't doing the lawns in, in your jandals <laughs> like I did last week and then traipsed it all through the house. It's me. <laughs> you I had did, my didn't you? On, I had my gumboots on. Well, you've got to go straight to the hose and wash the gummies off, mate. Come on. That's oh, no, an amateur I know. I've, I've had, I know. I've had a bloody rookie era here. I'm actually on, <laughs> I'm going to get the vacuum cleaner out. <laughs> so what do you do after your lawns? What sport now I do the vacuuming of all the lawns yeah, that exactly. I've brought, brought well, inside doing, the house? I can't relax without having a clean floor either, so I actually have to vacuum and then I can watch sport. Wow. So, <laughs> and I don't want to make light of this, I was about to say, is that OCD? Like, it is definitely a hundred percent. It is, but anyway, that's all good. Anyway, did you have any sort of traits before a big game? Like the like like Ruffin Nadal has to have the drink bottle facing the right way, you know? Yeah, oh, there, I always had a few. Like one year, I thought I had to drink a coffee just before I went out and played, and then um, another like my whole career, I had to eat um, even lollies. So like, I had to eat two, four, six. You know, jet planes, I couldn't have one or three. Like, it was just stupid, but that was just how I was. I, I, I'm I sorry, who advised coffee. you to start drinking coffee before a game? Well, what, I what Frenchman with a cigarette hanging out of their mouth that suggested that? I got one just before a game, and we won, right? And so then from that moment, I thought I had to do it for the rest of the season, even though it never really worked, but I just, I just carried that for a season. So, fully yeah. committed, Ben Sigmund. Yeah. Fully committed in everything he does. There you go. There's a shameless plug of your book from a few years ago. Right, let, let's get Very to the good. serious task. How, how alarming has the slip in Phoenix's form been over the last five weeks? Yeah, it's, been, it's been really hard to watch because they would, like if you go to the start of the season, I remember talking to you know friends or whatever and just saying, man, they, they're so hard to beat. You know, like they, they look like every game they can win. And just gradually, it's just got a little bit less and less of that. And, and now they're kind of, they, they look like they can be beaten every week rather than, you know, you flip it back, you know, four, you know, three months ago. I was just saying how goddamn solid they were and that they could, any team they could roll over. And it's just, it's, it's just kind of gone backwards for them, really. But man, they, you know, they've still got the players, they've still got the team and, you just don't know. Come finals, if they make them, hopefully they can flick it back in and just make them. Uh, you know, for me, it would be they've got to be really hard to be beaten, and they've kind of lost that at the moment. You know, they're probably copping soft goals, and and then all of a sudden, you know, they're copping two or three, and it just gets too hard to kind of come back from that. Yeah, and the one thing that consistently they have done has been a goal-scoring threat. It was only last week where they didn't score a goal for the first time in a game, and that's a really impressive record. So they always look a dangerous side in possession. I always worried, even from the outset of the start of the season, that there weren't enough clean sheets in them, is how I, you know, my gut was telling me that. But I thought they were a better defensive side than what we've seen over the last five weeks. 17 goals in five games. And some of them are quite comical goals. That The first one last week in Ben, there's about seven or eight Phoenix players inside the area and just two Western Sydney players, and still they conspire to score a goal. I, 
uh, I'm sure it's quite perplexing to the players and coaching, right? You don't you don't become a bad defensive team overnight, or can you? I don't, I don't think they can, and I, and I I still look at them and that they're organised, they know what they're doing, but as you say, they're just they're, it's the soft, silly goals that they're they're sort of conceding at the moment. But again, as you say, they I was I think it was Melbourne City. They had a great opportunity in that first five ten minutes to score a goal to go one nil up, and again that changes the game, doesn't it? And then you know they went back and then they conceded goals. So you know it's just a fine line now. And and let's face it, now they've got to actually be putting away those half chances. You know if they're going to go into playoffs, they've got to put the half chances away as well as you know stop those silly little goals. And you know I, I still believe in them and I still think they're good enough and they got the players. I was looking at it and I was trying to think about, you know, why this is happening. But you actually look at it possibly when those three players, Sale, um, Lewis, um, and there was one other that sort of came out and said, oh, well, we're leaving. And was it from that moment that that started happening? And I think possibly Uga- that Ugarkovic. Yeah. That's it was Ugarkovic was and, the other one. Yeah, and I wonder whether that disrupted them, you know, Something silly like that is just kind of throwing the you know the wobbles out, and then and then Talley sort of came out, you know, three or four weeks later, and it came out that he was kind of leaving, and you know, all of a sudden there's just little things that just maybe are just influencing those little those where they're at. I don't know. It's hard to say. Th- those are the que- those are the questions that the sporting teams get asked when announcements like Ufuk Talley announcing I'm leaving at the end of the season, even though I don't have a job. Um, <laughs> Is this going to be a distraction? And we always get told, I mean, no. But you're telling me that inside the dynamics of any any team, little things like that, actually, they're probably a little bit more than little things, aren't they? Can can actually, not saying it has put them off the rails, but it can really change sort of an environment quite significantly. Well, just the dynamics. And then, you know, does that mean that the players know that they're leaving? Does that mean they, they, they keep their standards as high as possible? Um, you know, is it do the, do the players get annoyed that those players are leaving? I'm, you know, like just little things like that. For me, it didn't because you know you're a professional; it's your job. Um, I just wanted to go out and be the best I possibly could every week, so it didn't affect me. But possibly it could be affecting other players in different ways, and they look at it differently and respond differently. So I think it's 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 different for everyone. But maybe in this case, I look at it and I go, that's possibly when they started. Getting, I'm not saying the wheels are falling off because I think they're actually still playing good football and they still can score and they're defending well. They look organised, but I just wonder whether that was that moment when we started seeing them sort of slipping, slipping with games and then obviously not looking as solid and defensively, I guess, as defensively solid as well. Ufotele strikes me as a coach who's quite set in his ways. He has a belief on how the game should be played. This is, uh, this is my structure. This is my system. We're going to play it. He's going to carry on doing that tonight, isn't he, against MacArthur? He's not going to go to five at the back from the outset, you know, park every bus available to try and fix these defensive frailties. Is that why? Why is it he's likely to hold true to, to what he believes this late in the in the piece? Well, they need to stay true to what they've been playing because it was so successful. But if they're going to make the playoffs, they've actually got to go in. All, you know, they want to play this last game as though it's the playoffs and the finals, because they've, they've got to, it'll give them that confidence to go, shit, it still does work and we still can do this, and we are good enough. And then hopefully when they go into the playoffs, that 
they're flying again because I just they just need a little bit more confidence and a little bit more. Someone just needs to give it a little bit more spark in terms of a couple of little, you know, individual skills. You know, those things that just Lewis. I don't know. Someone just needs to create. Ollie Sales. You know, he's been making some great saves to keep them in the game. You know, he just needs to keep making those as well. Just those little things. Those uh, we call them one percenters, and I know everyone talks about them all the time. But they're the they're the things that are going to get you through, that are going to get you through to the playoffs, that are going to then get you to push on in the playoffs. So you know, those all those players know that they'll need to step up. So, yeah, I'll get you out on this one. You know, a word of advice you'd say to any player on the cusp of, of the playoffs. You know, you, you had some deep runs, you had some disappointments. You know, what advice would you impart to maybe a Phoenix player on on the eve of a, of a playoff run? Well, it, it could be their last game and it could be their last opportunity to play together with those players. And for me, for me as a player, I was always wanting to do the best for... Here's my cat meowing. Um, he's agreeing. Um, the, in terms of, I, 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 I always wanted to play well. And I, when you're playing for the Wellington Phoenix, it was like playing for my country and it was like I was playing for everyone. And so that's how I got my motivation. So those, all those players need to go, right, well, this could be our last game together. This could be our last game for the year. I don't think it will be. I hope it will. But they've all got to step up and then just, just give it 100%. And a little bit of fully committed, mate, to be honest. Yes, <laughs> there, there we go. Now the shameless plug, magnificent book written by Jason Pine too. Um, Siggy, great to hear your voice. <laughs> what are you up to at the moment? What are you up to at the moment? Oh, just work, just ultra football, still keeping me busy with all the Nike gear flying out the door for the season, which is good. And then just kids and kids, kids, no football for me now, just kids and work. So enjoying that. And then when I can, I'll get out in the boat and do a bit of fishing and diving. I still love that. So, um, yeah, lovely to be out and just not have that pressure of football anymore. That was ultra football, right? Ultra football, mate. That's the one. Ultra football. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, you got to cram in the shameless plugs, my friend. I think we've got about five done in this little chat alone. You're a superstar, Mr. Sigmund. Oh, Thanks well for dropping by. Always a treat to have you on the show. Go well. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Great Ben Sigmund. Absolute brilliant bloke. Um, fine, hard on sleeve, defender for sure. Very successful time with the Wellington Phoenix, 181 games. Seven goals. And, yeah, only three red cards. I was quite surprised by that, Jacob. Yeah, that's that's kind of me I, too. I, I, I kind of won him over with a backhander compliment there, didn't I? Yeah. <laughs> it was a bit of a slap to the face. It was good. It was good. And that's how we roll. So the Wellington Phoenix uh, take on MacArthur. Let's be frank. If you can't get a point against MacArthur, you probably don't deserve to be in the playoffs. Especially if you haven't won your five games before it. Yeah, much to play for tonight. Um, up against MacArthur FC. Uh, as it currently stands, the Phoenix are in sixth position on 32. Three points behind a Sydney FC. And what minus six goal difference uh, as Sydney FC are playing Newcastle Jets at the same time tonight. So it seems very unlikely they'll get past um, Sydney and into fifth spot. So it looks like it's sixth at best for the Wellington Phoenix. And guess what they get as their reward, Jacob? What's a that? trip to Adelaide. Oh, a trip to Adelaide. Yeah, yes. where they lost 5-1 last time. <laughs> Adelaide. Not a overly happy hunting ground. We take a break on the other side. We're taking a, a live horse race. Stay with us. This is the Saturday session.
this is the final chapter of the show. I oh, know, relax. It's okay. It's okay. Your day will go on and you'll be in great hands with the good oil. Jacob is with me. He's done a great job getting us through to this stage. Uh, keep your messages rolling in, double eight, double three, if you need to get something off your chest, like Gary on the back of chatting to Ben Sigmund. Uh, hello, Daniel. I reckon the Phoenix went backwards from the time till I didn't get the all-whites job. He dropped his lip and the players followed. Uh, according to Gary there on double eight, double three, uh, Chris writes um, an interesting text full of questions and unfortunately probably not enough time for us to answer them all. Super Rugby, do you think that people will care in five years? It's going downhill since the South African teams are gone and it's a second-rate comp compared to the NRL. I don't think there's much comparison if you are comparing the NRL to rugby, which I know so many people do, it's natural, but it bores me to tears. I tell you what, I I watch less Super Rugby than I did four or five years ago, but I haven't picked up more NRL games, people. Uh, th- that's how the world works in my mind. I watch more basketball now. I watch more baseball. I watch more ice hockey. I watch more football. I, I, it's, it's just not rugby and league who are competing against each other. And I think those two sort, sports think they are directly competing with each other, Jacob. Like, yeah, Peter Vandis, let's have some yeah. money to sign some rugby players. <laughs> how about you help the grassroots of the game? Um, do you think people will care in five years? I th- I think we'll know at the next television deal. Sky paid $500 million for the last TV rights deal. So clearly there's still an audience who care enough to pay for a subscription and watch it through Sky. Now, if they stop watching there, that's when you get really worried, right? Bums, bums through seats has been a concern for a long time, but the TV audiences are still there. I, I simply don't know, Chris, but the last couple of years really does me ha- have, have me worried uh, more than I than I have in the past, for sure. Um, thank you for all your contributions and messages today. Absolutely love uh, hearing your thoughts, questions, ideas. All right, Jacob, we've got a couple of things to get through. The Workhorse of the Week, the Midas Agritires Workhorse of the Week. Jacob, this is all about who has inspired us, impressed us, left us uh, in utter awe uh, for their actions on the field. Uh, thanks to Midas Agritires, the choice of leading manufacturers. Because you've done such a great job, is there someone you would like to nominate for your workhorse of the week? Oh, so kind, Daniel. I would like to, actually. Um, I'm going to nominate Jimmy Butler this week uh, for his performance against the Milwaukee Bucks um, and getting them through the first round. I heard a stat uh, during the week that they were only the third team uh, to defeat a title favourite in the first round of the playoffs. So, I mean, define title favourite, I suppose. But it's still, nonetheless, it's still a big big scalp. Uh, the, I think, were they the second? They were the first seed, weren't they? Taking uh, The eighth seed taking um, apart the first seed in the first round of the playoffs. It's quite a big, uh, big Jimmy achievement. Buckets. Yeah. Jimmy Buckets. Oh, the Chicago Bulls fan pained at how good he is into his mid-30s. Mm. And I heard um, Charles Barkley after his 56-point game um, say that that was the best perf- uh, NBA playoff performance he's ever seen, live or in a TV studio. Uh, that's over Michael Jordan. That's over countless wow. other, countless other like LeBron James, games eight, uh, Game 7 of the 2016 finals. Uh, yeah, 20, yeah, 2016 finals. I mean, that's that's a pretty big statement from an NBA legend. That's fantastic. That's a great shout. Uh, thank you, Jacob, uh, for your uh, nomination for the Midas Agritires Workhorse of the Week. European quality, made affordable. 
Uh, mine. I, I'm going to go back to a story maybe four or five days old. Hopefully you would have heard about it because you really should. And hopefully you do know who this athlete is. Um, Sifan Hassan. Surely you know. Do we know, Jacob? Shake, yes? No? No, you're shaking your head. Um, you might remember her from the Olympic Games when she tried to win the 1,500, 5,000 and 10,000 treble. Yeah, someone tried that and actually went incredibly close. Uh, you might remember her from falling in the heats of the 1,500 metres, getting up, winning her race, qualifying, and then uh, 12 hours later winning the 5,000 metre final. Yeah, by the end of the Olympics in 2021, uh, she'd run six races in nine days, winning golds in 5,000, 10,000s, and bronze in 1,500. So there you go. There's a history lesson. She's a pretty good athlete. She, uh, she stepped up to run the London Marathon. It was her first ever marathon. Uh, she said before the race, she basically panicked. She started crying. Um, so what am I doing is basically what she was thinking to herself. What on earth am I doing here? She was scared of competing over the distance. and said she cried at the prospect on the morning of the race. Less than ideal preparation. Uh, early in the race, she picked up a quad injury. That doesn't help. Um, and the injury and limping became more and more noticeable, uh, so much uh, so that she actually left the track. She walked off. She walked off. Um, Britain's marathon world champion, Paula Radcliffe, was uh, commentating with the BBC at the time, um, said in commentary, she needs to stop. Someone needs to give her some advice to step off and stop trying to run. Uh, but Hassan, a, a former refugee who left Ethiopia for the Netherlands as a 15-year-old, did not stop. She continued. Um, and having watched the leaders run away from her, what did she do? She ran them down. The greatest marathon runners on the planet. This is a woman in her first marathon. She ran them down and she won. She won the London Marathon after being off track with an injury in her first marathon, crying before it. That's a workhorse in every way, shape or form, I would have thought. An incredible modern day athlete uh, with some incredible stories and dramatic stories as well. So she wins my Midas Agritise Workhorse of the Week. Choice of Lenny Manufacturers, Midas Agritise. European quality, made affordable. Incredible. All right, we finish off with the sporting tips you should probably run a mile from. Jacob, this is one where we try to offer sage advice to um, the Bender community out there. We do advise them, you know, bet responsibly, take our suggestions um, in the spirit that they are delivered, that you should probably run a mile from. Unfortunately, we've we've got inflated egos because um, we've actually had a good couple of months. Oh, we've really? Made some good predictions. Yeah, so don't stuff this up, mate. <laughs> don't stuff this up. Well, I'm, I'm used to, uh, Although, I'm used to terrible fairness, tips. Although, in fairness, Ben... Yeah, in fairness, Ben Francis did put money on the 254 to one outsider of the Brisbane Broncos winning the uh, wooden spoon. Oh, well, the collapse. He predicted a second half collapse. Yeah. In fairness, it may have started last mm. night. Uh, only time will tell. But if that comes in, I'm never working in radio again because I'm never working with that guy again. <laughs> I'm not going to get in the same studio with him if that one comes off. So you can go first, mate. What's oh, top yeah. of your thinking? Well, I've just scrolled onto the uh, Warriors v Roosters page on the TAB, and I've come across a boost no Harris odds. No Harris. <laughs> no Harris. No Harris. No I mean, I'm not going. I'm not going head to Kostad. head on this one. I'm going okay. first try scorer, uh, Dallin Watini Zelezniak or Edward Colsey to score the first try of the game. And it's at, at, at currently at $6. And I think that's quite likely. I could see that. I mean, we saw the last time they played at Mount Smart, uh, Marcelo Montoya run through the opposition uh, and then basically feed it straight, like a, a meat pie, you could say, to Kossi. 
Yeah. I could see something similar happening uh, this game. It's going to be nice. wet tomorrow in Mount, at Mount Smart. You know, just a cheeky slip through, a, either winger to score. It sounds, sounds likely to me. Very nice. You've thought about it long and hard, and I do appreciate the effort you've put on. No, it doesn't matter too much, <laughs> does it? Because it doesn't mean it's going to come in. But, yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah. I also appreciate this uh, text message. Well, obviously, uh, Daniel, she did not have any soft cock sauce before the marathon. Absolutely not. <laughs> she did not uh, you know, rub any uh, beautiful rum and Q product on her legs because that would be stupid because that's for chicken, fish, and pork. Glad you were listening a little bit earlier, though. Yeah, I'm, an, I'm, I'm an immature, but deal with it. Uh, Toronto Maple Leafs fan that I am, um, to my Toronto Maple Leafs brethren out there, you know the Lightning are making this go to seven games, right? This is definitely going seven games. It wouldn't be the Leafs otherwise. So I'm going at the Lightning to win uh, tomorrow's game, paying $1.87. Simple head-to-head. Simple head-to-head. And uh, secondly, this one, yeah, I've got no conviction in this one. But I did stick my neck out on the drive show yesterday. And I said the Crusaders are going to win. The Crusaders will beat the Chiefs. You could go head-to-head, $2.40. It's not going to be a big one. Uh, It's Chiefs by 1 to 12, paying $3.30. So there you go. Very unconvincing. That's my tip. My apologies. They're probably all wrong. Hey, thanks to Dave and Andre. No, not Andre. Mark. Dave and Mark have won our Rub and Q products for this week for Rub the Wrong Way. Huge thanks to Jacob for filling in the void. Good oil on the way. Have a great day, team. Bye-bye.